0: We have never potted not in the same room. So this yeah, is, this is odd. Um,
1: this this is a will good, be a new experience.
0: Good cold open. Very good cold open. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the <laughs> Oklahoma Drill. This is uh, Ryan and Alex coming at you in uh, living color uh, in different rooms. Um, for yeah, the first we'll... time ever, because we're joined by a guest via Skype. Welcome to the program, longtime listener, longtime supporter, um, recruiting expert Nathan Hill.
2: Thanks guys. Um, but to be honest,
1: I don't know about the recruiting expert part. But
0: yeah.
2: if I'm Sam happy is, to be
1: I th- yeah, I it, think I think recruiting nerd would be a better. Yeah, uh, definitely
2: recruiting a, geek. Just yeah. OU football geek in general. But yeah, de- yeah. I've been following recruiting long enough. I guess that's warranted.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> Sam is our sports betting correspondent now because he did some bets. Um, so yeah. I don't see anything wrong with making you recruiting okay. expert. This is that all. Works. We're all putting together a really great staff at our new project. Um, what did I call it last night? Gridiron. Gridiron smart people.
1: Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh jeez. But yeah. So this is the reason why we have Nathan on. Obviously, with him, you know, we're emphasizing recruiting, and the second national signing day just happened this past Wednesday, and like it was a kind of a weird experience honestly because you know i know for me the last probably 6 or 7 years national signing day has been like do not i don't i don't want to say it was like a holiday for me but it was it was something that i really looked forward to and it was a big deal um, but it just right. felt like another day, honestly. Yeah. yeah can, we, can we can we just it. can we just
2: say it? the The early signing day is really national signing day now.
1: Oh yeah, for, yeah, for sure. The
2: late signing day is kind of all the hangers on and truly elite kids, but mm-hmm. the early yeah. signing day is national signing day. There's
0: a degree to right. which like national signing day is now like uh like tax day, where mm-hmm. it's like, well, yeah, this is this is the day, but if and, I mean, if you win, money is this, owed,
1: right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: If, if you waited this long, then
1: yeah, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. And like, well, Oh, you had like a, a decent day. Like I wouldn't call it like a, an incredible day. Like there were, wasn't there like three or four guys that we were kind of waiting on. Um, Mm -hmm. and we, we wound up with one, a pretty big one with Michael Thompson, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of put a cherry on top of our class or whatever, but, um, we'll get to that later. Um, the way I was kind of thinking about just wanting to discuss this class is, you know, everybody, you know, people are pretty familiar with kind of Sooner Squad 17 or whatever you want to call it from last year, um, which it was the the first top 10 class in a number of years at OU. And OU's 2018 class ended in in the top 10 as well at number eight. And so I thought it'd be kind of fun to just compare the two classes um, just position by position. And then at the end, we can talk about which class we would probably, we would prefer or which class we think is better. Um, just from, you know, from pros- a prospect, obviously 2017 has the benefit of like, we've seen CD lamb play, you know, we've seen Marquise Brown, like light up Oklahoma state. So it's, it's going to be a little, uh, a little slanted that way, maybe, but, um, I think, you know, we're all pretty high on the 2018 class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, So let's just get it started and start at quarterback. Um, Sure. (laughs) You know, for the 2018 class, you're looking at Tanner Mordecai, who was a three-star commit from Waco, Texas. And, like, quarterback recruiting was kind of weird in the 2018 class in general. Like, you know, we had our guy for a long time and Cam rising, and then one day he just, like, decided he wanted to go to Texas, um, but we wound up with Tanner Mordecai, who at the time was like, I don't know about you, but I was kind of underwhelmed whenever he committed. what did you think about it? They, like the day he committed.
2: Well, I, I definitely was underwhelmed. I had been personally hoping OU would actually land Adrian Martinez, who uh-huh. was a quarterback out of the, out of California, who kind of surprisingly at the, by the end of the process wound up with Nebraska and the, yeah. kind of as soon as Scott Frost was hired there, they zeroed in on adrian martinez and uh because he'd been committed to tennessee for right uh, six months or so until then bitch jones was canned and and that kind of opened things up for him so he was
1: he was from the same high school as caleb kelly right
2: i believe so fresno east or fresno somewhere in fresno um yeah yeah
1: but yeah no i remember that as well like i was i was really hoping we would wait to get him on campus because it seemed like we would have a good shot with him if we would wait to get him on campus. But Lincoln decided he wanted Tanner Mordecai, and mm-hmm. um, you know I think he accounted. I saw a stat the other day where he accounted for seventy-five touchdowns as a senior and led his team to the state championship game, fifteen and one season. Like so, yeah. it seems like Lincoln maybe kind of knows what he's doing at at, quarter, at quarterback. He has a good eye, I yeah. think people yeah. might say. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: Yeah. So go ahead. I was just going to say with Tanner, he's, you know, he's a three star kid, at least on rivals, but he and Lincoln said has said this in his press conferences before that he kind of reminds him at least in certain characteristics that this is a, you know, it's a hard comparison just to throw around lightly, but he has some Baker and just kind of the way he plays. He kind of plays a little Mm. bit fiery. He's not Sam Bradford or Landry Jones, you yeah. know,
0: kind of like, out off the field. Thank um, God, yeah,
2: because he we, throws a yeah.
0: Go ahead. Um,
2: he, he throws a like, just from what I've seen of him, he throws a great deep ball. But um, he's ki- he's kind of mobile, but he's not, you know, a true dual threat. I don't think it, you would say but he has, you know, he's he's kind of a bigger. He's, I think he's bigger than Baker. I would say yeah. maybe yeah. just a little bit. Yeah,
1: With, yeah, I um, think it's six probably about, yeah, six one, mm-hmm. six two. Um, yeah, the thing that sticks out to me with him is that he's just like, I'm going to use a cliche here. He's, I would say he's just sneaky athletic, Oh okay. yeah, you know, like, um, <laughs> he is a white quarterback that has the ability to, to run and make like, and like, he wasn't just, you know, extending plays and getting, you know, 10 yards. He would break long touchdown runs in high school mm-hmm. at like a high level of, of competition. So, um, he's, he really, I think fits the system about as well as, um, at least a you know a guy of his rating could, you know what I mean? Um, I will say that, like, you know, for the 2019 class, like, the, the Baker Mayfield comparisons are going to be so strong for Spencer Rattler. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think just every quarterback we take is just going to get that comparison at this point. It's almost kind of how it's going to, for OU football moving forward will be the
2: 2017-2018 college football bowl season where mm-hmm. everybody is the – Mountain West, maker, Baker Mayfield, or the yeah. Big Ten. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, Chris McSorley
2: oh, yeah. is Baker Mayfield. Yeah. You know, Mason oh. Fine is Baker Mayfield. That's just what it's going to be all the all the time, moving forward forever.
1: Oh, probably yeah, for sure. <laughs> until 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 it becomes this guy's the next Spencer Rattler.
2: yeah, so. yeah, there we go.
1: <laughs> this guy's oh. the next Kyler Murray. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, well, so so comparing it to the 2017 class, and this is kind of a <laughs> – it's not a great comparison because. The uh, quarterback from the 2017 class is no longer at the University of <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma. I
0: will say with confidence that Tanner Mordecai will provide more production for the university than Chris Robinson.
1: I will so, say Chris Chris Robinson showed some flashes in the spring game last year.
2: And you know what's funny is he's actually, along with DeAndre Johnson, uh, going to be in the head-to-head battle at FAU for, to be the next oh, yeah. quarterback for Lane Kiffin. They, uh-huh. I've, I've heard some reports that they really like him. And since DeAndre Johnson's coming off an injury this fall, we might be seeing Chris Robinson uh, starting in Norman, at the season opener next year. I guess
0: that would there, be incredible. There is a possibility that Robinson does start and he throws like a pick six in that game. And then mm-hmm. like Tanner Mordecai ends up never starting because Spencer Radler gets here and just mm-hmm. takes over um and yeah that he sense, might throw more touchdowns in that yeah. sense uh chris robertson might throw more
1: touchdowns for the university than uh tanner mordecai did it's possible for sure um but i think with you know from a prospect standpoint i think chris robertson was a better prospect than yeah. tanner mordecai i think i would we agree with that. all agree um but obviously i think 2018 you know with the with the benefit of hindsight you i guess you've got to give quarterback to the 2018 class yeah um you know just given what has you know transpired uh moving on to running back and this one was when i was thinking about this probably one of the more interesting yeah. comparisons to me because the 2018 class was supposed to have two running backs um but then Tavian Thomas who was committed for a long time wound up not qualifying, and he wound up signing with Cincinnati. Uh, so we wound up with only one running back in TJ Pledger, who's a really high four-star top-hundred player, um, you know, and I think he's – we've talked about him before. We talked about him after the last – after the first signing day is the just – his game is just very versatile. He fits this offense – about as well as you can like I think you know that's going to be a theme throughout the entire offensive recruiting is that these guys fit our offense about as well as you can yeah they're recruiting to a scheme yeah yeah which yeah. we can we will definitely have Foreshadowing. Some, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we will we will talk about that in the opposite direction when we get to defense I'm sure um, but yeah no it's it just speaks to how good Lincoln Riley is at his job Honestly, um, but in like, if you look back to 2017, the running backs, it's kind of interesting. Like Trey Sermon had, I think, you know, a better freshman year than anybody really would have imagined. You know, the guy like he's a really, really powerful back that, you know, had some really, really bright moments. Like obviously, you know, his coming out party up in Columbus this year was just kind of yeah. came out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah. I think
1: we were all shocked by that.
0: Mm-hmm. And then he sealed, um, sealed the deal for us in Waco. Yeah. And he just exhibited great hands all year, which was really impressive. Yeah.
2: Um, I always go back to that catch that he had in Oklahoma State where he almost mossed somebody. He yeah. went up and crushed oh, br- yeah. that ball. It was really yeah. a poorly throw or a oh, poor decision yeah. by Baker, <laughs> but <it> was, <laughs> yeah. he, his receiver bailed him out,
1: and it was a great catch by Trey Sermon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then in addition to Trey Sermon, we've got – uh, we brought in Kennedy Brooks, who was injured his entire freshman year, wound up red shirting um, a, a good prospect. I don't think any of us would say he is like a a top tier prospect, but he's a good looking running back prospect. And then, of course, Marcellus Sutton was also yeah. in the 2017 class. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how Nathan feels as much as I like, I have completely. I don't think Marcellus Sutton is an OU caliber player.
2: I don't know so much about OU caliber, but I think he's been recruited over. So it almost amounts Uh to the same thing. Okay. Um, Yeah. Because I think if, if all things are equal, they're going to give the ball to TJ Pledger because he's the kid from IMG. He's the kid from Southern California, you know, the top 100 recruit and they're going to try and, you know, continue building and showing high school kids that they can come in and immediately contribute instead of giving it to the Juco kid, um, who has a similar skill set, similar build. Um, mm-hmm. so I think all things can standing equal. They'll go with TJ Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. would agree.
0: But, so this will be, so go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, but Marcellus Sutton's broad jump was so good.
2: It was. It was. <laughs> he had a great <laughs> spring game.
1: He, he had a good spring game. Him ML- and Marshall Musel, great spring games. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Marshall Musel, spring game legend. Um, were you at that spring game Nathan? I was at that spring game. Okay. I was as well. So what was Wait, do we do you remember what year that was? Was that like uh, Was that 2010, 2011? 2010 sounds right. We'll go with 2010. Okay. Yeah, that works for me. Um but if you're going to which which class of running backs would you pick? Would you pick the probably TJ Pleasure, the highest level of a single player but you know, With 2017, we kind of know what we have with Trey Sermon, and yeah. there, are, there are a couple other guys to choose from. Which one would you go with, Maxie?
0: Um, well, it, it's tricky um, because uh, TJ Pleasure is really exciting. But um, we have talked about, like, you and I have spent a lot of time meditating on the idea of, like, the future of the OU backfield as being, like, a split setup with Rodney and uh, Trey Sermon. We, mm-hmm. And how like Trey provides a lot of things that Dimitri had, could provide. Um, and that might be how we do that going forward. And it's just like that vision seems so well established that um, it's, it's hard to not say that 2017 has that in the bag.
1: Okay. All right, what, what
0: what do you think, Nathan?
2: I think TJ Pledger probably has the highest ceiling, but I'd also as a class lean towards 2017 Though, okay. I will say that 2018, TJ Pledger had um, other impacts
1: outside of just himself, and we can talk yeah. about that uh, Oh yeah. forward. We'll, we'll get to that, I'm sure. Um, I'm going to go with TJ Pledger. I'm going to go with 2018 just because I, I, I realize that um, you know it's only one guy and it was supposed to be two, and in that sense, it's a little disappointing, but um, just given – the impact that he had and just the and not just on this class but you know an IMG guy choosing Oklahoma as early as he did and never really wavering I think that is a pretty big impact and and he's like I think he is like you said he has the highest ceiling out of all of these guys he fits the offense he can split out in the slot even you know he's right. a great receiver so I'm going to I'm going to favor the 2018 class in this so so far um, I think we all agreed on the quarterback being the 2018 class and mm-hmm. two out of the three thought 2017 was the better running back class. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say,
0: it's, it is an interesting thing because I really want to see, uh, is, do, is do we is, did TJ, uh, is he on campus already? He is. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm interested to see him in the spring game. Um, cause the, it's, um, because when I was thinking about this, uh, part of what I was thinking was, like, man, I'm really interested to see how Trey Sermon matures and see if, like, maybe some more time in a college weight room can get him mm-hmm. maybe in a position where he could, like, accelerate to top speed faster. Right.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, That's really the thing I want to see from him is him, you know, kind of pick up that second gear.
0: Yeah. See Start yeah. Yeah.
2: seeing him running away. He, he, he ran away from people against Oklahoma State, but maybe just a little bit more consistently.
0: Yeah. And like in that sense, there's a like there's an almost a weird possibility that TJ Pleasure might have a more like, college ready body, um, depending on how just just depending on what we see from him coming in as a freshman.
1: Yeah, I think I think his skill set is conducive to getting on the field early for sure. Um, let's move along to do we want to go to like tight ends, H backs? How do we want to group these together? Because. I don't. I'm not really sure how to do this. We let's, can do tight ends and H backs. Yeah, yeah, tight ends and H backs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, for 2018, you know, we actually signed a guy on the second, um, the second signing day. Uh, we wound up with Braden Willis out of out of Texas. What what school is he from? I forget. Is he? Is it Arlington? He's from Arlington, Martin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Big time high school down there, um, and he was just kind of a late eval that. You know the coaches really kind of I guess fell in love with him, and they um, they just decided they really really needed another H back tight end type. Um, and if you're going over to the 2017 class, um, you've got Jeremiah Hall. Um, I'm going to leave Grant Calcaterra out of this. Yeah, Wait, yeah. You think that's all right? Well, well yeah. It's I <laughs> mean call it him the Y receiver. Yeah, we'll call yeah. him a Y. Uh, we'll call uh, it. Yeah, we'll put him with the receivers. Um, But so basically it's – if you're comparing uh, Jeremiah Hall to Braden Willis and this is interesting to me because I know if you had asked me after – well, really if I hadn't heard anything from like reporters about how Jeremiah Hall was doing, I would probably pick Jeremiah Hall in this. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reviews have not been glowing of Jeremiah Hall so far. And like he redshirted. He really – you know, he was one – he's really the first guy in that mold in a while that wasn't able to see the field at all as a true freshman. And, you know, I think there could have been a role for him if he had been ready for it. Um, and he just – we just didn't see it. And, you know, and also I think if they were really, really sold on him, they probably wouldn't have been so um, – they probably wouldn't have felt the need to get Braden Willis like yeah. they did. Yeah, You know. Um, so from that standpoint, it's tough. I'll, I'll pick – Braden Willis, 2018. I'll give them the edge in this um, from that standpoint. But I, I was really, really high on Jeremiah Hall at the time of of like signing day last year.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: you know, I was in a similar position. It is. Uh, it's frustrating to see uh, this position be in kind of a weird limbo because, I mean, mm-hmm. when is the last time we didn't have like a really pretty good fullback?
1: Oh, it's been it's been a long time. You know, you're talking pre trey Millard at that point.
2: Yeah. And even whenever the years that it w- hasn't been, you know, the the great receiving threat, we still had Aaron Ripkowski yeah. just bulldozing people down. You know. Oh so, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. we will have Carson Meyer, and Carson Meyer is a pretty good blocker, but he's not. I, don't, I wouldn't call him at Ripkowski. So.
1: Oh no, yeah, I agree. I think I, I'm I'm reasonably high on what Carson Meyer can do in this offense. I think he's. Uh, I mean, I think he's maybe, you know, he has a little bit more to give as a receiver than he's shown. He just, we just haven't needed him in that capacity yet. Um, he, was a, he was a
2: receiving threat at union.
1: He yeah. He, he wasn't just was. purely
2: in line blocker. So
1: No. Yeah. I, I think he's going to have a pretty good season next year. Um, but yeah, if you guys were going to pick one of these, one of these two guys, who would you take?
0: Uh, Probably Braden Willis. Um, just, it when you start hearing things out of practice, that's like, that's as bad a sign as there is.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, and it is kind of affected by those recent reports. If you want to call them that, but I do, I did like Braden Willis, even whenever they first initially offered him. Um, and yeah. everyone was kind of wondering if he was going to be a preferred walk on. I liked mm-hmm. Braden Willis. I, I thought he was a surprisingly good blocker given his size, which I think is like six three two twenty ish. Maybe. Yeah. Um, he could he, Seemed more he to me he looks more in the calcaterra mold than the dimitri mold dimitri flowers yeah. um sort of player just in the way he's mm-hmm. built the kind of the way we might use him but um i again and Link, this is something L- lincoln mentioned in his press conference those late signy guys always kind of have a tendency to be surprisingly good players and one yeah. thing that gives me a little bit of confidence is the main competition at least initially that um Besides Wake Forest, was Braden Willis was looking at Boise State as uh-huh. one of his visits. And you remember yeah. who Dimitri Flowers was committed to prior to I, flipping
1: to Oklahoma? I Boise absolutely State. do. Yeah, Boise <laughs> State. Um yeah, no that's that's a good point. And yeah, none of the nothing I said before was like I I really like Braden Willis as well. Like the first time I watched this film like his blocking kind of stuck out to me a guy that was able to play so many different positions at his high school mm-hmm. and he did a lot of different things he played you know he would get like snaps from the wildcat and make plays like that um but yeah and if you get a guy that's able to you know do make some dynamic plays that can be as good a blocker as he seems to be you know you are really like that's when you're in the that's when you've got like a dimitri flowers type player so i think he has the um you know the skill set to potentially be that kind of player if even if you might go about it a little bit different way all right do we have
0: anything else to say about tight end h-back types
1: i don't think so, um,
2: so that i hope they rec- continue to recruit them yeah I think yeah, yeah is sure. a very valuable part and kind of separates this offense um from other spread systems
0: oh so yeah Hopefully, yeah. it rec- yeah. continues yeah, Ian yeah, Boyd absolutely. has written pages and pages on that. Um and, all right. So what do we talk about now?
1: I guess we gotta we gotta go to receivers and this one to me is the first one that it's like pretty clear cut that I, I think twenty seventeen has the edge oh, here. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean you're looking, you know, we saw what C D Lamb and Marquise Brown were able to do. We were all, we're all really high on Grant Calcaterra. He was great at the opening. <laughs> great um, at the opening. Yeah, really and, the opening is the thing. and then, you know, people people have been really, really high on Charleston Rambo as well. Like what he did on the scout team. Yeah, um, scout team player of the year. Yeah, there's oh. there was some people, you know, there were rumors earlier this season that if Marquise Brown hadn't kind of broken through that um, Charleston Rambo wrote, Charleston Rambo's red shirt might have been pulled because he was ready to play. He just, you know, mm-hmm. it was a little late in the season to pull the red shirt.
0: Yeah. And if you look um, at, if you look back at uh you know their high school production like mm-hmm. Charles Rambo was up there with CD in terms of just ridiculous Oh yeah high school stats. They both had incredible yeah. senior years.
1: Yeah, and CD like set like freaking records in Texas, you know, with his senior year. Um and none of this is to disparage the 2018 class. I think, you know, I think we all agree that's a pretty underrated class in terms of who we actually got. Mm-hmm. Um Who was your favorite receiver that we signed, Nathan? Uh, My favorite as far
2: as potential, I really like Kondarius Taylor. Uh, He is probably the most boom or bust guy of the group, I would would say. Mm -hmm. So he has probably the highest potential of flaming out. But I also think he has some, and this is lofty, but I I, I see a little bit of Michael Crabtree with him. Um, He's 6'2", he's 190 pounds, 195 pounds he's uh he plays from memphis i think a fairly small division in memphis he's uh, yeah. but he's a he's a big guy he, he's a punt returner he mm-hmm. has a high ceiling i don't know i think he has a lot of potential i wouldn't be surprised if he red shirts but maybe i could see him being the heir apparent to uh to cd
1: once cd goes three years in pro yeah no i i absolutely agree i think he is also my favorite um the thing that stands out with me is just um, he like I first of all, I think Dennis Simmons, who I think coach Michael Crabtree said that Condarius Taylor has some Michael Crabtree in him. Um, but if you if you throw on Condarius Taylor's tape like he's he makes some pretty ridiculous catches like he's got some catches like from fades in the back of the end zone where he kind of lays out for him. And you know that's the kind of stuff that you saw on C.D. Lamb's tape as well. Yeah, you know, it's a guy with a, a pretty big catch radius. It seems like so, and you you just love having guys like that. You know, as we saw like in the Rose Bowl when they were able to just throw it up to C.D. and that kind of sparked a scoring drive. You know, yeah. the more receivers you have like that, the better. Um,
2: and Darius Taylor is kind of the guy that I've been noticing the last few years has been going to Clemson each year. They always seem to have that one guy that can kind of, uh, they're kind of, almost, he's almost a hybrid possession receiver because he has the speed to go long as well, but he just has that big body, that Mike Williams sort of uh, physical type, Um, and I think OU is starting to incorporate that more instead of, as even Lincoln Riley said, whenever he first got to Norman, he he said he saw our wide receiver room and compared them to a bunch of Smurfs;
0: they're all five (laughs) eleven.
2: (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> so was... we're starting to get a little bit more size and not just size where they're tall, but they're not necessarily um, played to the to size. But now you're kind of yeah. seeing guys that kind of play like they're six, two, six, three and more. Yeah. yeah.
1: We're, we don't have Jeff Meads. It's not Jeff Mead type size. Uh, yeah. I would say. yeah. Still hurts. but <laughs> well, <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, remember when it seemed like he had turned the corner?
1: I, I do. Absolutely. And it was definitely not turned. Um, so another guy, uh, I just want to throw, mention real quick. The other two guys we're talking about, and I got, oh yeah, never mind. Sorry, <laughs> uh, Jaquelin Crawford and mm-hmm. Jalen Robinson, um, the other two receivers in this class. Um, you know, I think both of those got Crawford is kind of in the Marquise Brown mold, where they just want he's just about as fast as you can be, mm-hmm. and they're just gonna throw long passes to him and just find ways to get him the ball um i have i have some questions about his hands a little bit just i kind of watched i mean i watched him in the state championship game yeah, He had some and drops he had some pretty bad drops and um that's that's a little concerning like you you can get around that with when you have the kind of speed he does but um yeah you've you've got you're gonna have to have the hands at us at some point um and Jalen Robinson, I think is just a really good fit as an inside guy, you know, but he'll probably be the backup to michael Jones this year um and he's i think he's a little bit um maybe a little faster than a michael jones what how would you say he compares like from a speed perspective
2: i I've always thought of Jalen as more of a guy that you would call like more quick than fast to me mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think he's more. I mean, and this doesn't to say that he's slow. but I think he'd be like a high four or five kind of guy. But he first two things I like about him is he's a really good route runner. So he yeah. make he gets separation between. And very cliche that Lincoln said this, but he has great feet in his press conference, um, yeah. and you can definitely see that if you watch his. Um, if you watch his highlight film, because he gets a lot of separation just from his route running and his ability yeah. to kind of create that separation more than just outrunning somebody. Um, and he mm-hmm. also plays kind of bigger than he is, I think. I um, mean, he's, he, he's, he's willing to go across the middle. Um, I, I read that he's a, he plays linebacker. He's from, played from a Christian Academy, I think, in the, in the Dallas area. And he plays yeah. linebacker on defense. So that, you like to see that as well, especially for those slot receivers that have to kind of go into the middle and take some hits every now and then.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I think that's a good point. One thing I'll mention with the, with the speed is that I think he might look a little slower than he actually is because he he seems to be a long strider. Like yeah. it's a guy that yeah. he covers yeah. a little bit more ground with his um, with his steps than you would expect for a guy his size. Um, and like I'm not disagreeing necessarily. I just think he might be a little faster than we might think. Um, but so I, the point here, like 2017 better, probably better receiver prospects, but the 2018 guys are good. You know, there's not anybody there that we don't think can contribute at a high level at OU. And you can all,
2: Uh, and for all of them, you can kind of point to their current comparison. You can kind of see what OU is doing is this is where we see you and how we kind of think we'll use you, um, current roster.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, there are obvious, like, <laughs> it's a system. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah.
2: Novel concept. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, like, these yeah, guys just... coming in will understand, okay, this is sort of what my role is going to be. They're going
1: to be prepared right. for that. We'll be prepared to use them properly. And, yeah, you don't have any fear of guys being uh, misused and put in, like, positions that aren't in their best interest, you know? Um, and that's really nice to see. Uh, let's move on to the offensive line. This is another really interesting one because mm-hmm. this is the first time we get to kind of talk about how the two classes complement each other. Um, because 2017 was a little bit more offensive guard and interior lineman heavy. Yeah. Um, and then 2018, we got two really high level tackles and a, a high level Juco guy that can do really either one He's kind of a swing guy. Yeah. So in the, in the 2018 class, um, we'll start with Bray Walker and, you know, this guy is probably the highest level recruit that we've pulled on the offensive line in a long time. Um, and you know, he's, you know, we've talked about him before. He's just a really big guy that, you know, if, if things really kind of click for him in college, like he's going to be a first round draft pick. He has that kind of frame. He has that kind of athleticism um 67320 but he's slender. Gray yeah, looks. Like, he doesn't
2: look 320.
1: It's not like sloppy. Yeah. Yeah, it's Man, not he's not he's great. not fat. He's not Orlando Brown when he got to OU. Yeah. You yeah. know, where he had to just completely remake his body. He's a guy that if things click for him, like he's definitely going to be ready to go um pretty early. Like he probably won't get on the field as a freshman. But he might be in a position to where he could if they really needed him to Mm -hmm. um, from a physical standpoint. And then opposite him, you've got Daryl Simpson, who is even bigger, even bigger. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like he's not quite Orlando Brown size, but, you know, he is not far off. Like he is six, seven, about like three hundred and forty five pounds or, you know, he's he is a humongous person and i saw him you know this year at a couple ou games and it's just like how is this human being 18 years old you know he's <laughs> he is unbelievably big um and like the thing that i've i've really kind of grown to be a big fan of Daryl Simpson, just listening to, you know, well, obviously, if you turn on his film, he just eats people alive because he's bigger than everybody. Um, but the thing that interests me the most with him is that Bill Beedenbow talks about how good a basketball player he is. And, you know, I'm a huge basketball fan. And anytime I hear a football player is a really good basketball player, I get excited just because of oh, the, yeah. uh, the athleticism that you have to have to be able to play basketball well. Um, and if a guy like as big as Daryl Simpson can play basketball at a high level, um, you know, I think that his, his ceiling, his ceiling is pretty ridiculous at would tackle. You,
0: would you say that his ceiling is the roof?
1: I, I absolutely <laughs> would say his ceiling is the roof. How would,
2: how would you compare Bray to Daryl? Who do you see being the left and who do you see being
1: the right moving forward? So I think from a, from a traditional standpoint, like, let's say like ideally you would think bray walker's your left tackle daryl simpson's your right tackle because bray walker has a little bit more athletic upside i think and Mm -hmm. um daryl simpson's just the mauler but OU kind of traditionally has put the bigger guy on on the left side and had their more athletic guy on the right you know if you think back like orlando brown obviously an example of this but Think back to like Phil Lodholt and Trent Williams, like right. They've there's a. Even lot Lane of... Johnson was over at right tackle. Um, yeah, he was until uh, what
2: until his last year, right? Right. He, I don't remember if it was a Donald Stevenson that was starting opposite him before that. I don't remember. Yeah, I think on that's the left right. side.
1: Well, and then I think about the the 2014. You've got Tyrus Thompson over there and Daryl Williams, and I yeah, think everybody, or all pro Daryl Williams. Yeah, everybody knows Daryl Williams is more athletic than Tyrus Thompson, but he wasn't the one playing left. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, I might expect Daryl Simpson to be the left tackle. Um, You know,
2: what's and you know, what's really interesting about that is that at the army game at the army, all American game, both of them were us army, all Americans. Mm -hmm. Daryl Simpson was actually the left tackle and Bray Walker was the right tackle in that game. That's where they practiced all week.
1: So maybe the coaches there
2: saw something as well and said, this
1: is maybe kind of how they'll play moving forward. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really interesting, um, and it, it like it wouldn't surprise me at all if that if that's how it turns out. Um, but just from a like a prototype standpoint, Bray's probably the left, and Daryl's the right. But you know, we'll and see. I think we'll it, see how that turns out. And
2: I think it will would help Bray to at least start on the right because, and I this is something that I've talked about, and I think most people that have watched Bray have talked about Bray has all the physical tools, but. Whenever I actually watch him play, and this is kind of funny for someone that has a wrestling background, but he's he just strikes me as a little passive. I don't know if he's yeah. afraid of hurting people or what it is, but he almost seems to play down to his competition because every time he's at an all-star event, like the Army game, or he was at the opening and he was one of the top top five linemen at the opening, or he had the Polynesian Bowl, which, funnily, funnily enough, he was invited to um, – he always seems to do well and be mentioned among the top performers, but in his actual tape, he just seems a little lethargic, kinda of going through the motions. So I'm really yeah. curious to see if Beatembo can kind of get him to play with that edge and sort of instill some Bobby Evans, some Orlando Brown mentality of, you know, pile driving guys or <laughs> whenever yeah, until the no. whistle's
1: blown. Yeah. Whenever I watch Bray I always just think he does enough. You know, like right. he just he does just enough to like where he knows his guy isn't going to make the tackle at this point, but he doesn't just destroy them when he yeah, could. Because for example, if you were to put on Cade Mays, who's
2: a five-star tackle that signed with Georgia, who was originally a Tennessee commit, who is also kind of a casualty of Mitch Jones getting let go. That guy drives people into the ground and i think if bray walker had similar sort of film where he was playing to the to the whistle instead of being a high four star on rivals he would have been a five star they were just waiting for him to show that kind of next step in his high school film
1: no i i think he could have been a top 10 player in the country if he He has that ability he had shown that yeah he is that kind of prospect um so the third guy uh we wound up with on the offensive line is tremonda Moore, who is kind of a swing guy he's i think originally they were planning on having him be an inside guy and then you know there as you know signing day came and they said he's he could start at right tackle um but you know he's a guy he's just he's just a massive human being as well yeah
3: get like, I mean, the he's smallest
1: of the three the, <laughs> the smallest of the three like uh, yeah i think he's six six three twenty. 320 um and, you know, this is a guy, he's originally from John Marshall, um, didn't qualify out of high school, um, kind of had some some issues out of high school with, you know, with the grades and just maturity in general. But apparently he's done really well up in up in Kansas. He's also going to be on this season of Last Chance U, so check him out there. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to see that. That'll be um, very interesting because
2: he got hurt and then he kind of didn't want to come back to, like, further— potentially further injure himself so i'm almost curious how they're going to portray him if that's going to be like a in-season
1: dramatic storyline of some sort it could it absolutely could mm-hmm. and I, I'd, I'd be all about that controversy awesome yeah <laughs> um you, you would think something like that would do well in a tv show oh yeah um, for sure but yeah this guy to me um he has the tools to be an nfl offensive guard like if he like he is a guy that you know he's as athletic he's athletic enough to play the tackle but if you move him inside he's gonna be bigger than everybody and more athletic than everybody. Not just offensive tackle in high school there
2: were schools recruiting him to play defensive tackle so he's yeah. a, I think he's a very high quality athlete. There's just the yeah. same question with him is how hard is he gonna work how you know how what ceiling does he want to reach because i think most people similar to bray if they you know decide that they want it enough you know he has that potential to be a even if he redshirts this year be a two year starter and
1: go to the nfl draft and be a draft pick yeah no i i think that's that's absolutely right um so for comparing the 2018 class let's just refresh the 2017 class a little bit yeah um Really high-level stuff, and we actually do have a benefit of, of hearing some pretty glowing reviews of some of these guys. But um, you at guard, we had Marquise Hayes and Tyrese Robinson last year, both high four-star players. Uh, we had a center with Creed Humphrey, who apparently is going to be the greatest center in football history. Yeah. Yeah. Future just, Remington um, Award winner. Yeah, just, you know, just like a, I think yeah. four-time Remington Award winner is in the card <laughs> at this point.
0: Yeah, just um, a just a three star recruit was Creed, but everything you've heard from the uh, the coaches and the media about him in practices that they love. Yeah, him. they think
1: he's incredible. And this and his... wasn't like this was from the first day he set foot oh, on yeah, campus. Yeah. So, like Binbo was raving about him last spring when he was in, and then you his... saw him play really well in the spring game. And, yeah, and he yeah he he
2: drove Kenneth Murray way away from the ball. Yeah. <laughs> No, that was still I, Kenneth Murray trying to figure out what direction he was going to go. Yeah, but, still um, working on that. Yeah, still, if Georgia can attest to that. But um, Creed, the funny thing about Creed Humphrey is that he was a fairly late offer, would you say? It was June, July that they offered, really got serious about him yeah. after he had committed, or right around the time that he had committed to A&M and they had to flip him away from A&M. So yeah. it's funny kind of how that th- those sorts of things worked out because they were co- sort of waffling between him and Xavier Newman, who wound up going to Baylor and starting as a freshman at guard at Baylor. Mm-hmm. And they kind of settled on Creed Humphrey. And if you watched his highlights, it's basically just five minutes of him you know, driving small, undersized 3A Oklahoma kids or whatever classification <laughs> uh, Shawnee is in. I, I, think just, it was, I think it was like 6A2. And Are I they that big of a school? Okay, I'm sorry, Shawnee
1: now.
2: Shawnee yeah, fans. Shawnee listenership is outrage.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, he absolutely just tortured kids, you know. Yeah, it was a um, it was a fun highlight reel for sure. Yeah. And you know, and he's gotten just humongous since he's been on campus. I've seen him. Around town a little bit, and it's just like that guy does not seem like he's not the typical OU center who is a little bit undersized. Like, yeah. He's not the Ty Darlington or the Gabe Eichard. You know, he is a guy that could play offensive guard if we needed him to.
0: Yeah, like um, he's he's the smallest of the guys that we have talked about today, but he's six <laughs> four. Yeah, like he's yeah. the
2: prototypical tip of the spear, if you will, that they always talk about it having at center, mm-hmm. and now OU actually has that because all the way back to Vince Carter in you know, the early two thousands we've had undersized centers. Um, mm-hmm. so you, you talk about John Cooper and you talk even Ben Habern, um, uh-huh. slightly undersized, but you know, this is finally that six, 300 pounder in the middle of the offensive line.
1: Yeah. So, and and that's really going to come in handy whenever we're playing the Georgia's of the world, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. the Alabama's who just have those massive offensive linemen at nose guard. Um, but the, the last guy from the 2017 class, Adrian Ely, um, he's a guy that you know also pre- received some pretty high praise this year. Um, I know there were a lot of people saying he was well ahead of where Orlando was when he got to campus and he was really trying to get on the track that Orlando took to get you know to where he is now um, And if all of that's true and if he's really committed, like this guy has I think <laughs> probably a higher ceiling than Orlando Brown did.
2: I don't think there's any question that he's a better natural athlete. Uh It's just whether he can, you know, work. The thing that made Orlando as good as he was is he had that, we were just talking about it, that kind of desire to be the best player on the field, you know? And he kind of, he's one of those guys that's actually kind of reached his level of his potential. So if Adrian Ely can do
1: that, you know, watch out. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're looking at another first round draft pick for sure at that point. Um so now that we've talked about both classes, which which class do you think is better?
3: Uh, they
1: are very different, I will yeah. say. They they you know, one's guard heavy, one's tackle heavy. That's actually like pretty perfect, honestly. Yeah, no, it's you I know?
0: mean they're they're there's a really beautiful um like complementary nature to them. Um I am interested in the twenty seventeen class just because uh, Guys like Adrian Ely, like we talked about, and also just Creed Humphrey is something that we maybe have not had in the center in a while, but at the same yeah. time, like the 2018 class has is three massive dudes and like, right. Tackles are probably more important than interior linemen.
2: Right. And that's, that's kind of where my decision comes down to is where do I place the higher value and the more, the premium position and, on offense and football, at least when it comes to dollar amounts, a lot of times is, you know, that high quality Tyron Smith sort of tackle. Uh, uh, so, if, again, and a lot of it becomes can they actually live up to their potential, but Bray Walker, I think, is the only guy that in this discussion that I would say if he lives up to his true ability could be a top five sort of pick. Yeah. So, just for that reason, I might lean – more towards 2018 i think 2017 might have the more safe bets because i'm a huge we didn't even really go talk
1: about him but i'm a huge fan of marquise hayes oh absolutely Um, yeah for sure like he's a guy yeah marquise hayes is the kind of guy that's going to make the guards we've had look small and our guards (laughs) have not been small yeah
2: i am i'm very ready for the 2019 starting lineup of cody ford creed humphrey and marquise hayes
1: yeah, that's just gonna—they're oh, yeah. gonna eat people alive, especially in this conference. Um, but I'm gonna go with 2018 as well, just because, like you said, the you've got to place a premium on getting high-level tackles, and whenever you get two of them in one class, um, that's just not something that you do a, a very often. You know, you get two guys that are as big as the guy—you know—the guys we got. Um, and so I'm. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna lean 2018, even though Creed Humphrey is gonna be amazing, and I, I'm really high on 2017. Bill Beatenbo is the best. Yeah, that's one thing we can Absolutely. all agree on. Um, uh, so Ryan, are you saying 2017 on this? Uh, no, I'll say 2018. Okay, oh, that's so good you consensus. Don't, you don't want to disagree with this? All right, fine. Would you just?
0: Do you want me to disagree? I think it's. Uh, I... I will say Very that I, I really like the way I I like both that these classes complement each other and the order in which we sort of set this mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Which, um. You know, you don't have total control over given Yeah, it's recruiting, but like having like these like I because what I'm trying to say is that I think that the 2018 guys are more ready than the 2017 guys, mm-hmm. so they'll be like. Pretty close to already at roughly the
1: same time, like yeah, I, yeah. I'm I'm really excited to see how the 2019, 2020 lines kind of come together uh, through these two classes. Um, so offenses as a whole, um, I don't know. Do we want to compare just who you know who what's better? Which had the better offensive class? Um, I think I'd probably lean towards 2017 in that regard, just because I think the difference between receiver. Um, is bigger than any of the differences in 2018.
0: Yeah, and plus, like, we have seen that the 2017 class was full of freshman production. And yeah. that's probably well, not a just... of recency bias. Yeah, yeah well, absolutely. yeah, but, like, if you look at... And this could change, obviously, if Kendarius Taylor really is Randy Moss. Um, but, <laughs> uh, like, I don't know. I I doubt that we're going to see the same immediate impact from the 2018 class as we saw from the 2017 class.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Is, on the for the players that we signed, that you signed on the offensive side, is there a guy that either of you see stepping in from day one and having a lot of production on offense?
1: Uh, from, 20, from the 2018 class? Yeah. Uh, to me, the guy is – it's TJ Pledger for me. Yeah. Um, RB3? I think, yeah. Well, it, I know it's going to be tough for him to get on the field, but – I think he is different enough than from Rodney and Trey that there might be. They might. And I think we're going to do more two back stuff next year. I I just I think our personnel is going to fit with that a little bit better. So I think he's going to get on the field the quickest and, you know, have the biggest impact next season Um, because it's, you know, our offensive line. Realistically speaking, none of these guys are really unless Tremonde Moore comes in. I, I just don't see any of these offensive linemen getting on the field next yeah, year i think
2: that's less likely for Tremonda, just because oh, yeah.
1: he was delayed to
2: a june enrollee instead of a winter enrollee so he yeah. misses yeah, the absolutely full
1: yeah no i think that's absolutely true um and then i just don't really see a receiver that i can say comfortably is going to contribute as a freshman because our receiving core is going to be really good oh, and yeah. you know we've got you know a guy in charleston rambo that didn't even play this year that's yeah. going to be ready to play. Nick don't sleep no, on AD. Did you hear about Nick Basquin, Maxie? Oh, what happened about Nick Basquin? He tore his other tore. Achilles. Oh, well. Yeah, very sad. That's Nick, frustrating. Yeah, That's it really oh. sucks. Yeah, and I, I know they say that you know he could, he's going to be ready to go for fall, but like, I just I, don't think you can tear both your Achilles and play high level football. Yeah, honestly. No. Always, I mean, no. I've, I've always heard that.
2: When you tear your Achilles, it's hard, even with the advances in medicine, it's hard to really come back all the way from that, just due yeah. to the way it's stressed whenever they do their cuts, um, yeah. and
1: especially for a slot receiver, man, that's just that's yeah. tough. Yeah, no, I I think, and I love the Nick Basquin story. It's amazing, and I'm glad that he was able to play high level football at OU for at least a season. Um, but it's. Yeah, I think I think we're probably just gonna have to move on from him. You know, I think we're looking at at Michael Jones and um, Jalen Robinson next year at that position. Um. So yeah, I, I think 2017 will give it a slight edge. You know, just because of the production we ha- have seen. Uh, let's move on to some defense. Let's do it. All right. Because this is gonna be. You know, there's. <laughs> There's going to be a little bit more negativity about this, and not to say we don't like our defensive class because it no, I think it's really, a really good not so much about
2: personnel, but
1: how they fit yeah. <laughs> to yeah. the current uh, scheme and, and just, philosophy. There's just such a question of like what these guys are actually going to do while yeah. they're at yeah. Oklahoma. Can we, that it, can can we just be, preface this whole segment with an asterisk of
2: assuming that we continue running the same botched three-man
1: front?
3: Yeah. Scheme. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna keep doing the same stupid thing that we've been doing for the last five years. So, yeah, um, we will talk about how these guys fit into that. Um, start. So, obviously, I think the the place you have to start is the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, you know, this is really to me the crown jewel of the 2018 class. Oh, um, these guys are incredible. Know, yeah, it's glorious. Yeah. And, you know, starting a defensive tackle, you know, we we finished our class with Michael Thompson the other day or yeah, on Wednesday and just a humongous get really the highest rated defensive tackle we've landed um, in a long time. I'm trying to remember the, do you remember the last, the high as a guy that we've gotten, that's as rated as high, highly as he has at this position, Nathan. Oh
2: man. You know, it's probably not the correct answer, but for defensive tackle, Gerald McCoy is the first one that comes to mind. Two thousand six. Yeah, you know, we just haven't signed. We've we had R.J. Washington as, a, as an end in two thousand nine, mm-hmm. but I, there just haven't been that many elite defensive tackles that have chosen OU in the last decade. Yeah, no, it's Jordan, been- Jordan Phillips was a top fifty kid, I think. So that might be the actual correct answer. Jordan Phillips in twenty eleven.
1: Yeah, I um, think Jordan there Phillips is probably the one. Yeah, um, and. What are your thoughts about Michael Thompson? Just because he is, he's a guy that we haven't had in a while. And, you know, to me, he kind of is a, you know, from a size perspective, he's kind of in the Devontae Lampkin mold.
2: Um, Did you notice on his commitment video the weight that was shown on the scale whenever he stepped on the doctor's office? I did
0: not see this. Please tell me what this was because I didn't. It was 348
1: pounds. yeah yeah Yeah, well he is a humongous person
2: now most there was whenever he went to the army game there was some discussion that he showed up a little out of weight overweight excuse me and so that might be and that was one of the reasons he dropped a little bit after the army game it wasn't a talent thing he's just had a little bit of bad weight so he'll probably drop let's say 20 pounds but this is a guy that i think when even once he's gone through a college strength and conditioning program and he's got his ideal weight, it'll be three twenty five, three hundred and thirty pounds. This is a big kid.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, and hopefully, you know, he's you know, he's the same size roughly as Devontae Lampkin, but I think he is a much higher level prospect.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, the thing um, that, The thing that struck me whenever I've watched his highlights is first off, he's pretty quick and he has really good closing speed. He yeah. He's. Whenever I watch teams like Alabama or Georgia or even Florida before they kind of nose died here the last few years, whenever they had, they're still chock full of must champ recruits. They always seem to have these massive defensive linemen that are super quick mm-hmm. within the tackle box and just take over guards, and guards just whiff on them. And you know, if you want, like if you go back to even the Alabama Georgia game when Duron Payne was just taking over the game for stretches. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to put all that on Michael Thompson, but there are flashes that I see of that. And it's been a while since OU's had a guy that's that size with that level of quickness. And the other thing that's really interesting to me about Michael Thompson is that he was initially offered as an offensive lineman for Beedon mm-hmm. so bow Yeah. By Biedenbeau. So if you go back to all the way back to Davin Joseph, who was brought in from Georgia as a high, highly recruited defensive tackle, it didn't quite work out could flip him over to the offensive line and he's someone that could be an excellent guard or even a tackle, potentially. I'm not quite yeah. sure. Jamal Brown's another guy that had success with that here at OU and he ended up winning the Outland. So there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot to like about Michael Thompson, assuming that, A, he qualifies <laughs> because that is a question, and B, that he kind of takes serious take, – he's the anti-Devontae Lampkin at least for the first two years and he's serious about the weight program and serious about getting onto the field quickly.
1: Yeah, I think that's a hundred percent. He's the kind of guy that if if he comes in and takes things seriously, he can play as a freshman just because we don't have a guy like him on campus. Yeah, yeah. And There's, even and if he's he is a off the field, Dylan
2: Palmatell, I mean that's not. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. It's not going to happen. Like we have Marquise Overton
2: and he's Bonatow a good player, and, but not an amazing
1: player. So no, there man, are snaps to be had. Absolutely. Um, especially in this defense, you know, if we're playing a two gap, three, four, you've got to have a guy like Michael Thompson yeah. on that thing, you know, yeah. on that defense. Um, but moving I think on that's
2: something Michael- they, I'm sorry. I just, one more thing to add. I think that's something that they discovered that they liked because they talked a lot in the latter half of the season about having that rotation of going from Overton to Lampkin to Fama and kind of keeping those guys fresh. I think they yeah. really kind of want to have that three, four deep nose tackle where they can keep those guys on kind of a pitch count and so they don't get worn down towards the end of the game.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah,
2: I think right. that's
1: that's the way to do it yeah. for sure.
0: I am very – I mean, he has the size for it. I am going to be a little sarcastic and talk about how excited I am to see someone with his incredible speed be used as a space eater. Um.
1: <sighs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, there – it's going to be catching be, blocks, catching blocks. Yeah. Well, at least he's equipped to do it. Well, yeah, so we'll, um, we're going to, we're going to stay positive in that regard. Uh, moving on from him, also a defensive tackle. We've got Jordan Kelly, um, a Tulsa union product. Um, right. And the thing with him that is, you know, he is, he's just really big as well. He's not quite as big as, uh, as Michael Thompson from a weight standpoint, But I think from a frame standpoint, he's pretty similar, wouldn't you say? Jordan Kelly, to me, and I can probably speak to
2: him as accurately as most because I've seen him play a dozen times or so, he's -hmm. always kind of, to me, he reminds me of Jordan Wade. Um, Mm -hmm. He is fairly long, and I Mm -hmm. don't mean to say that as thin. He's just kind of a tall, 300-pound guy. I remember whenever, yeah. before he was even being recruited by OU, OU, before I even thought of him as an OU level recruit, he would make a, he kind of had that flash, you know, that showed real talent and you think, man, that guy, that's a big kid, you know, because at, at Union they run a three-man front and he mm-hmm. doesn't play nose tackle. He would often line up as a five-tech, you know, yeah. as as a defensive end and he's so long that he would just, you know, collapse the pocket and make plays in the backfield, and he started doing that more consistently here this year. Um, uh-huh. He's, su- I think, he's surprisingly athletic. I wouldn't call him even Michael Thompson as a high-level no. athlete. Oh, but no, absolutely not. I think a lot of people had this kind of idea of him as this this kind of stiff space eater kind of guy, and mm-hmm. I think you know if he do kind of develops the motor, because I think that's the question with him right now is that motor and how consistent is he going to be. Um, he's fairly advanced just for playing for a big school like union
3: um,
2: with his hands and stuff. And he can, I think he has a potential. He could be Jordan Wade. He's bigger than Adrian Taylor, but a lot of, I've seen people throw that comparison out there as well. Um, To me, he's more of a fit as a one tech, but
1: in this defense, Mm -hmm. he'll be catching blocks like Jordan Wade was. Yeah. And I actually kind of like him more than Jordan Wade, just because I think he is a little bit longer than Jordan Wade. Um, you know, obviously Jordan Wade wasn't lacking length or anything, but I think he has a little bit more length than Jordan Wade. Um, just watching I'm I haven't watched him nearly as much as you have, but you know, I've watched you know, I watched probably three or four union games last year. Um and he's a guy that, you know, every now and then he would just kind of reach out and grab the quarterback and the quarterback couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, he had the play against Broken Arrow in the very first game of the year where he basically yeah. just one armed their quarterback. Yeah, no, He every now and then he'll do something really impressive like that. And another thing that's interesting with him is that for the longest time, uh, our staff um, was comfortable with him being the only defensive tackle in the class. Um, they kind of walked away from some other, like, even higher-rated defensive tackles because they really liked what they had in Jordan Kelly. Um, and it wasn't until after the Rose Bowl that they decided, well, we actually need another tackle and then went and found Michael Thompson um, but I think the coaches are, are higher on Jordan Kelly than a lot of the recruiting services are.
2: I could definitely see that. Mm.
1: Um, yeah, so let's move over to the defensive ends, all right, oh, because man. this is – there are three really high-level players here. Um, let's we'll start with Ronnie Perkins out of St. Louis. Um, and I most people call this guy the safest bet in on this defensive line class – Um, because he's a guy that is probably going to be a three or four year starter. He's a guy, you know, he's in for the spring. Wouldn't surprise any of us if he's out there next fall making plays. Yeah, Yeah, I would agree with that. He's, you
2: know, he has a lot of, he, the one thing that kind of strikes me with him is he's very polished for, you know, a lot of times you'll hear about St. Louis kids. They're, They don't play the best competition and, you know, they kind of have to rely on camps and maybe take a little bit of time um, in college. But the thing with him is he kind of hit the Army week. He's an Army All-American and kind of hit the ground running and had a really good week. And he was one of the best, the top risers um, throughout that week, or at least the top performers. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead.
1: the, The word that they used with him was just he was consistent. Yeah, like you just always like every practice you, you know, you just knew what you were going to get from Ronnie Perkins. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's a really valuable trait. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen other comparisons
2: to him that are probably better. But for some reason, every time I watch him, I just think of a
1: bigger Jeremy Beale. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think that's a good I think that's a pretty good comparison. You know, Jeremy Beale's a guy who played, you know, I think he even played linebacker in high school. Um, and not he's to say a, that he was kind of a late, a late get yeah. for them. Yeah, he was. Um, but Ronnie Perkins is a guy that you know he he played a lot of offense and played tight end for his high school team, and he was making some some pretty long touchdowns. He's like he's a really high level athlete. You know, um, he's not just a guy that he's going to be a guy that if if utilized well on this defense in this front, he's going to be really hard for Big Twelve offensive linemen to block. Now, can um, we talk about
2: that for a second? Because there is something that Mike has said. That I have trouble kind of understanding, and it's that he could be a good three tech whenever we go to four man front, and I think Uh that makes sense in theory, but I just with Mike it's hard (laughs) to actually
1: see it materializing in a positive manner, if you will. Yeah, yeah, I I've heard that. You know, I obviously heard the same thing. and to me, like thinking of him as a three tech, um, he seems like he would be a nightmare in there, you know. Because if you're putting him up, yeah, because he's a guy who, you know, he looked really good rushing the passer from an outside defensive end position in the Army yeah. Bowl. Like he had a he had a sack and some other hurries, um, and he was playing a position you know he didn't really play in high school where he was rushing from the outside from outside the tackle. Um, and if you were able to move him inside and i'm not saying he's this kind of he's this caliber of player but i mean that was just always what you know i thought of like solomon thomas you know when he yeah. was coming out as like a guy that he would he just destroyed people when they moved him even more interior than what he played um right. in high school and um so maybe a guy you know he cuz he's already what 6'3 270 probably 265 yeah something you know, in that range it's going to be no time at all before he's 285, 290. And I think that's more than big enough to play adequate snaps as a three-tech.
2: I think he would make a lot of sense doing what they were having Kenneth Mann do in pass rushing situations. They get three down linemen, but they're all sort of defensive ends. Um, and they were having Kenneth Mann play inside. Um like I know he had a sack against Baylor in this package and I think he might have yeah made a play against TCU um in the conference championship game so I could see Ronnie Perkins kind of stepping into those shoes and playing
1: in that sort of uh, role moving forward yeah I think that's yeah I think that would be really good for him um you know obviously we we have we have no idea what he's actually going to do yeah. you know, we just no. We just think he would be good. He is well suited to do that. Yeah. With Mike, um, you can never, you can never yeah. be sure what. Yeah, exactly. It's at, least, it's at go- least a little encouraging that he did bring it up as a guy, something that he can do. So maybe that's something they're looking to do more it's,
2: of. It's the off season, you know, so it's time to talk about four man fronts again. Yeah, <laughs> it, it Wait, is. It yeah. Is. It,
0: the the two topics of the discussion in the off season are four man fronts and whether or not we want more teams in this conference. Yeah.
2: Yep that's uh, it we can get the national champions guys get UCF get them that's an invite oh,
1: man. yeah
2: why, why wouldn't we do
1: this um so let's move on to Ron Tatum because I think this is one of the more controversial players in this class just um a lot of like there's just like a wide range of opinions on this yeah. guy mm-hmm. um, all over the place it really depends I guess on what day you saw him you know um because you you could see him one day and you might be looking at a first round draft pick and then the next day you're looking at a guy who shouldn't be at OU you know like he's just very inconsistent but from a physical tools standpoint he's probably the best defensive lineman we have in this class right he has the highest ceiling i would say
2: and that's including Michael Thompson yeah but I think he's the also the poster child in this defensive class overall for how bad do they want it because right. it's been a narrative even before he committed to OU, um, whenever he even before he committed to Texas that he has a little bit of a motor problem. How much does he take it seriously? How hard is he willing to work? What is encouraging is that he JD Runnels likes to post videos of him working out at his gym, you know, all the time. So yeah. maybe he's starting to take it seriously, and he he had a bad start to the Army Week, but he closed it pretty strong. He even had a sack with Ronnie yeah. Perkins in the yeah. game. So um, the one thing I I wanted to mention on Ron Tatum is, did you all see the picture of him and Ronnie Perkins at the Army Week game? Oh, my uh, God, what,
0: yes.
1: yes. Did
2: you see it, Maxie?
0: I didn't see it. Tell me everything about it.
2: It was... Okay, so Ronnie Perkins is listed as... Six uh, four, six three, two hundred and sixty pounds, mm-hmm. and Ron Tatum dwarfed Ronnie Perkins <laughs> in that picture.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: you would have thought I would have thought Ronnie Perkins was six two, two hundred and thirty pounds. You know, he he was dwarfed by Ron Tatum. Ron Tatum is a massive kid, um, yeah. and I think his body type. He we were just talking about the potential to play a three tech. Mm-hmm. Ron Tatum is the ideal guy to grow into a three tech. Now, does that really match his game? I wouldn't say so right now, just because mm-hmm. I think he's more of a in his mind, he's more of a strong side defensive end. Um he likes yeah. playing outside. I don't know if he's physical enough at this point in time to kind of deal with, you know, guards crashing down on him and, you know, getting double teamed and things like that. But yeah. I yeah. think he's someone that could wind up being two hundred and ninety five pounds, six foot four defensive end. Um so it'll be really interesting, I think to kind of follow his progression and yeah, he's,
1: how I, I kind of really, yeah, up. I really like him as a, as a defensive end. Like I absolutely see the ability, like the size to grow into a defensive tackle, but like you said, I'm not sure it matches his game. Like you, like, to me, you just have to be kind of crazy to play in inside there. And that's just yeah. not, that's yeah, not a, that's not him. An Same thing as ever used to describe Ron Tatum. Same thing as interior O-line.
2: You just have to be kind of a different kind of cat that yeah enjoys absolutely. getting in fights and enjoys bleeding <laughs> a <Yeah>. little bit. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I, I think Ron Tatum is the kind of guy that, um even in a four-man front, you know, and, you know, I think I've heard people say that they don't think he can play an outside defensive end position, but I kind of think he can. I think it hey, he can be right done. Yeah. J.J. Watt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think he could grow to be a 290 pound guy that is a pretty good pass rusher if he really commits to it. You know, like, it all comes down to that. But, um, I, and like, I just, OU hasn't had a guy like that in a long time. Like, you know, maybe the closest thing we've had to that is like a David King type. Um, but he actually
2: has carved himself out a nice NFL career against, I think, everyone's,
1: uh, expectations yeah no i think i think ron tatum maybe could have a you know hopefully a higher level than david king career but maybe a similar role to what david king did where he played outside defensive end primarily but every now and then they would kick him in and like pass rush situations and he did pretty well there as well so quick tangent on david king okay
2: you know the first play that comes to mind whenever i think of david king What's that? It's the play when in the Sun Bowl when they're playing Stanford and he drops into the flat. Yeah. Davida um, Pritchard tosses that pass. I'm pretty sure it's Davida Pritchard. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. That's the first thing I always think of with David King. He had the athleticism to go cover the flat. You know. Was it that? That's also what, something that we've talked about with Imani Blood, so that could cover wheel routes. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, we'll see no. if Ron Tatum has that athleticism.
1: <laughs> that is absolutely the same play I think of uh, with David King as well. That and the. Fumble recovery touchdown against Texas in 2011. But
0: yeah.
1: um, let's move on to the last defensive end that we pulled in this class, and honestly, he's probably my favorite recruit in the entire class.
0: Yeah, I'm fascinated
1: by him. Um, we're talking about Jalen Redmond, you know, from from Midwest City, um, home of the Bombers. Mm-hmm. You know, congratulations, Ryan. You get another guy from from Midwest yeah. City. Hopefully, this one hopefully it turns steal out better.
0: Scott. No, uh, <laughs> but. Man, with Jalen Redman, it's just like, yeah, this guy just kinda eats people alive in an outside rush. Like
1: Yeah. No, he is I think he's gonna I am so excited about I think he's the most talented edge rusher we've had in years at OU. And we've had some really good ones. Like we just had Obo who was an all American, you know, he replaced Eric Stryker who Carved out a really nice role as a pass rusher, and I think Jalen Redmond is significantly more talented than either one of those guys. Yeah, and the funny thing with that is,
2: I'm a big fan of Amani. Ble- or excuse me, um, oh, I need to look at the or class from last year. But the Addison Gums. Yeah, thank you, Addison Gums. I'm a big fan of Addison Gums. So between those two, I think those two have the highest potential of the kind of player. Um, that we've had on the roster in quite some time. So I'm really interested, along with Mark Jackson, to see kind of how they develop in the next couple of years as a trio um, yeah.
1: with that position. Yeah. That might be... I'm, I'm really interested as well, because this year, like, Oboe pretty much had to play every snap of every game yeah you know, it wasn't necessarily would, the right decision but he would just wear himself out over the course yeah. of the
0: game yeah i just and i man. think we're
1: gonna be able yeah i think we're gonna be able to keep these guys a little bit more fresh because we're just gonna have you know we're gonna have three capable guys at that position now do
0: you
2: guys remember how just
1: wiped out oboe was at the end of the texas game oh
0: yeah God. I, or, of course
2: yeah yeah i think and i i think that was maybe exacerbated a little bit just because that was a rivalry game but I don't think that was far different each week. I think he was doing that to himself every week. And by the season's end, you know, he had kind of a fast start. He got eight sacks within the first however mm-hmm. many games. And then he didn't have a sack for the last several games. I think yeah, he just he, kind
1: of wore down as the season yeah. went. Yeah. And I think, I think you've got to place some amount of blame on the defensive staff for not utilizing Mark Jackson at all. Yeah. Because I think he could have given good snaps to this defense yeah. like they just refused to use him.
0: Yeah. Um, and something we talked about um, last season was how f- we would get frustrated that they wouldn't like they wouldn't use Mark Jackson opposite Oboe. they wouldn't use Addison Gum opposite Oboe in pass rushing situations. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that'll change um with like having this many developed guys in that role. But Yeah, and then you could certainly also throw in
2: and they'll also have the potential, you know, because moving forward at that Sam linebacker position, they have Kayla Kelly, also obviously, who we're all fans of, at least with his ability. Yeah. And they'll have behind him, you know, Jakir Daly is coming off a red shirt and he's kind of has that Devontae Bond sort of ability and then Nick Benito moving forward. So
1: it'll be oh, interesting yeah.
2: to see if they'll have that kind of attacking from both sides angle that they played with
1: in 2015 when they had Stryker and Bond on both sides. Yeah, if we're not able to put multiple pass rushers on the field, there is literally no one to blame except for the div- like Mike Stoops himself. Like, you know, this year at least you could say, well, Oboe was by far the best one. We didn't have anybody else that was going to be a consistent performer. I do not think that's going to be the case moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, back back Redman, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, back to Jalen. Yeah, back to Jalen Redmond. Um, the thing that sticks out about him is that he's just—he's a little bit bigger than the other guys we've talked about. You know, he's listed at six-three, um, about two hundred and thirty-five pounds, and you know, he is—he's a guy that I think could easily play if we were to go like four-man front. He could easily play out—you know—an outside-in position in that in that front. Whereas maybe a guy like Obo and Mark Jackson might be a little undersized for that position. Um, I don't think he would have any trouble in that at all and one thing that is interesting about him is that he's a
2: former basketball player has yeah. only been playing football at least organized high level high school football for two years yeah. so he's uh, still learning how to play the game and the jump that he had from his junior to senior year was massive so <laughs> the but he's i think he's still just kind of scratching the surface of his ability and if he can continue to realize it on the field i think there's there's a reason that he jumped up and had the sort of uh meteoric rise on some recruiting services. Um, and because that's because people are kind of seeing the potential that he has.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely, I mean, he wound up as a five star on two, four, seven. So, right. um, you know, and I, I, I found it harder to justify in my head, you know, when I, I have my, like what I think guys should be rated. And like, I ended thinking, yeah, this guy's a five star prospect to me.
2: Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt that he's a, at the very least a top 75, top 50 kind of guy. And yeah, absolutely. I, and I would agree that he's far closer to a five-star than
1: towards the tail end of the four-star range. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's, let's compare this to this 2018 class. It's, it's really not going to wind up being much of a comparison, but yeah, just no, to kind of review better. what we had. Yeah. <laughs> kind of to review what we had in the 2017, because 2017's class was really good and it was the first top 10 class in you know a few years but probably the weakest position was the defensive line class they are kind of scrambling Um, a little bit late yeah we wound up with um the the top prospect we had on the in the in the class was isaiah thomas who was a four star from tulsa who i'm really really interested to see what he looks like this year because he just wasn't physically ready last year to play also and, a basketball player. Yeah, definitely. Noticing a theme here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's a guy that from an athleticism standpoint, he's gonna fit right in with these twenty eighteen guys we talked about. Um but then, you know, we talked we mentioned Dylan Famatau earlier. He's just kind of a, a stopgap between, you know, we needed a body at that spot, you know. He's he, a guy. He yeah, he's not I don't really think he's that good, but he's a player that plays. Um, then you're looking at Zach McKinney, um, who was a three-star recruit out of Texas last year. He's probably he's probably the biggest guy we signed last year. He's, you know, I think he's beat six, out Texas for him. Yeah, yeah, we did. I uh, think he's around and six foot four, almost 300 pounds. As a defensive There's been some tackle. whispers that he's been he had a good
2: uh, fall,
1: um, so yeah, and he, he might be someone that we see too, right? next year. He was late to arrive on campus too.
2: Yeah, guys. just yeah.
1: I think I think he I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, so he might be a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere. A guy that kind of came out of nowhere this year and played. Like a, he was a guy that I just didn't. I thought he was just someone we were taking late because we needed people. But Tyrese Lott, who is a new new father, according to congratulations his to Tyrese. Twitter. Congrat. Yeah, congratulations, Tyrese. I mean, he was a guy from Ardmore who, just I didn't think was an OU caliber player. And then we kind of threw an offer at him late last year. And then he wound up getting on the field as a freshman. I mean, he played in Columbus this year. Like it was, he had made a big, a a big enough dent to be on the field in Columbus. Like I believe he hurt his foot. And that's the reason he kind of stopped playing. Didn't get as many
2: snaps toward the end of the year, but this is why you trust the TCU evaluation, man.
1: (laughs) Cause yeah, he was, he committed to TCU. Uh, I think so. Yeah, and then they flipped him. Yeah, then they flipped them. Yeah, yeah. TCU knows what they're doing on defense. Yeah, there we are know. always certain schools that you
2: got to trust on <laughs> on different position groups, and I always, if TCU offers, even though you know they're not of the same um, standing at least nationally as OU and Bama and Ohio State and whatever, I always kind of pay attention to that TCU offer because Gary Patterson knows what he's looking at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, then the last guy is Troy James. Who didn't really hear anything about him. It turns out like he's listed at six foot four on Rivals, and it turns out he's actually like six foot. So he's kind of in, like, <laughs> he's kind of another a one. A little of those bit off. Yeah, he's another one of those like sawed off like guys that probably would be better as like a defensive end that might wind up playing more interior than he probably should. Did he and play running back for his high school? I, I'm like not sure. Part. Yeah, he, he's. I think there was yeah, something about that, yeah. He's pretty Matt Romar esque, is what I would say, which is which is fine, like, there's nothing wrong with that. But
2: is he a I wonder if he's as like intimidating looking as Matt Romar.
1: Um, I don't know, just standing I, on a street corner. I definitely don't think <laughs> I saw him playing basketball one day, and he uh, int- Matt Romar, yeah, he's not in the same level, he doesn't have the crazy tattoo that Matt Romar has that adds to the intimidation factor, um, but like. It was a, it was an okay class last year on the defensive line. It was we were breaking in a new defensive line coach, which didn't really help. But obviously, in his second year, Calvin Thibodeau had you know an incredible year on the recruiting trail. So we don't even really need to ask. Like 2018 is the better defensive line class. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to linebacker. All right.
0: Um, as we're moving on, I would just like to point out that we have been going for an hour and a half.
1: Oh. And we're, let's just keep going. All right, <laughs> let's give the long people what episode. they want. Okay, let's, linebackers. I literally, had people tell me they love they love long podcasts. I like long podcasts, so why wouldn't everybody? Detail, like long detail, podcasts? detail.
0: Exactly. You know? yeah, sure. Deep dive.
1: <laughs> if you're listening to a long podcast, you don't have to change your podcast as often. You know, that's fair. That's fair. You can just you know you can listen to 20 minutes, you know, take a break, and then you just pick it right where you left off. You know?
2: This is the uh, Prime Road Trip yeah, podcast?
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is our so if you're super making big podcast. This is the one. Yeah. Your drive- if you're
2: making that bad. nice drive from Oklahoma City to Tulsa or down to Dallas, this is the podcast for you. Mm. This is it. This
1: is it. Um, so let's look at linebacker. And this is, you know, we hate on Tim Kish. And another, okay, real quick, I want to throw Addison Gums into the defensive line. Yeah, I was going to say that we should do that. Because we threw Jalen Redmond in there. So we're just going to go ahead and throw Addison Gums in there. Big fan uh, of Addison Gums. Yeah, absolutely. High level guy. Um, but in 2018, we wa- it was probably the most weirdly recruited position I have ever seen in all of my years of following recruiting. I literally never had a full grasp of what we were doing at this position. <laughs> And I know me and Nathan, like, daily were just like, we would message, like, what the hell are we doing? Yeah. You know? Well,
0: because it was Brian Asamoah and Mm -hmm. mm, nothing else. Yeah. Even before Brian
2: Asamoah, there was whispers, like, the week of Brian Asamoah commitment where people were like, well, he might be choosing Pitt. (laughs) And we were just, (laughs) we were, we just didn't know what was going
1: on. No, um, no, we did not. Um, so we wound up like we wound up with like you said, Brian Asamoa, three star from Columbus, Ohio. It was a, a a good get. I think he's a really good fit for the Big Twelve. And he's a guy that yeah, played run, he very played fast. running back in high school, really fast. Yeah, he was almost an Under Armour All American. Like he came close. Um, then we mentioned him earlier. Nick Benito is a guy out of Florida from St. Thomas Aquinas who. You know, if you guys don't know anything about St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the best programs in the country, yeah. You know, it's yeah. always like it doesn't really matter who like you just want to get as many guys from that school as you, you can. You know. I believe I know- Michael Irvin played at Saint Thomas Aquinas. He did. Yeah, he oh, uh, yeah, he did for sure. Um and I know we already have a, a spring official visit set up for a twenty nineteen uh St. Thomas Aquinas defensive back. So it's kinda of like uh, the Saint
2: same- the St. John's Bosco or the modern day or whatever, whatever high school you want to throw out there, the Cal Poly um, mm-hmm. of Florida. It's one of those types of programs that just yearly has four or five star level guys
1: just pumped yeah. out every single year. Or if you want to bring it more local, like the Allen of Florida, right? you know, cause yeah, obviously we, we're, we've been in Allen quite a bit over the past few years, but this is, yeah, that's the equivalent. And then I think what, you know, Lincoln Riley will definitely tell you, like Tim Kish, I'm sure. The highlight of this group is Deshaun White from North Richland Hills, Texas. Um, he's a four-star linebacker. He was an Army All-American. And I just want to take a you know minute to talk about his recruiting because his recruitment kind of shaped the linebacker recruitment overall. Um, and it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Like just the way we handled it, the way he handled it, it's just so weird in so many ways, um, and it starts off with Tim Kish doing Tim Kish things, and just not offering until like a couple months after every other major player for him offered, because yeah, They I waited know, till May, I think. Yeah, they. Yeah, they. Oh my god! And yeah, the funny thing about Deshaun White
2: is he he visited in uh, I believe it's February or the early junior days, and he was admitted in interviews. Yeah, I grew up an Oklahoma fan. They're my dream school. And he visited yeah. multiple times and didn't get an offer. And yeah. then we waited and, you know, twiddled our thumbs. Tim Kish was doing Tim Kish things, as Alex said, and then they he got his offer. And by then he was, well, I really like A and M now. So
1: mm-hmm. it's funny how those things work. Yeah, and so we offered him late and then we kinda we brought him in for a visit right before he was gonna decide. And by that point, it just seemed like it was too late. You know, he commits to Texas A&M, and it was a pretty big blow because yeah. at that point, we didn't even have Brian Asamoah. So we were linebacker in a year that we really needed linebackers. Uh-huh. Um, and so then, but the, the one thing that I took out of that was, Kevin Sumlin's going to get fired, so we're going to have a shot to flip this guy. And, and it was people, odd because
2: he even he was vocal about that, too. He was like, i'm really I'm committed to Kevin Sumlin more than I'm committed to a and m, and he yeah. acknowledged the fact that someone was on the hot seat, and that always kind of didn't make sense to me. It's like, well you're you you acknowledge that Kevin Sumlin could very well not have a job, but you're going to commit to that rocky situation- It's just an odd decision to me.
1: Yeah, it's like he could see it coming, but he just didn't care. It's weird. Um, but fortunately for us, Kevin, someone was fired and we started pursuing him again. (laughs) And he, he was, he took his official visit on that Texas tech weekend. That was just a huge success for us. Um, where we, we, it was like the eyeball Sunday where just there were eyeballs flying left and right on Twitter. What an incredible day. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it turns out he was one of the eyeballs. Um, but, it never came out officially, and it just it kept seeming like, well, he might be flipping back to – or he might be feeling a and M a a little bit more than he was or something. Um, <laughs> the, so – and then OU's rec- linebacker recruiting got even weirder. We started, like, turning down guys that would have been perfectly acceptable takes. You know, we're talking four-star linebackers that we could have had. Yeah, if we had hey, the weird – Merlin
2: Robertson situation, yeah. guys similar, Raymond Scott, guys that we've been recruiting for six months that all of a sudden are just like, ah, yeah. we really like Deshaun White, and we're going to wait and see what Deshaun White does.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I guess, you know, it might look a little weirder from our standpoint than it did the coaches because Deshaun White apparently did commit to them on that tech trip, you know, because they wouldn't send the eyeballs out if he didn't you know but it I guess it just took a little longer um I think his mom kind of played a role and she didn't want him to flip until she knew all the until he knew all the information about Texas A&M and then um finally at the Army All-American game um we wound up getting Buki and that night Deshaun White finally made the flip official yeah um for us and it was a huge relief because Mm -hmm. like if we didn't land this guy by this point we had turned away so many other linebackers that we were just going to be in a humongous hole if yeah the question then becomes who
2: who does OU even land at that point like I don't even have a name that I could throw out there as a legitimate they probably would have been scrambling for
1: a Louisiana tech commit or something similar. it would have been no absolutely yeah or throwing in throwing an in-state offer or something I don't know yeah, the kid um, that right. ended up committing to
2: Texas Tech uh, this week, there was an in-state kid, I think from Wagner. Yeah, might have been, might have been that guy. Might so, have been.
1: yeah, no. Um, so it turned out to be a really humongous get for us, and I like Deshaun White, and Lincoln Riley apparently loves him. Um, I'm a fan as well. Um, and <laughs> yeah, but I don't think he's like this. Here. Can't. Yeah, he's not a. He's not Jacob Phillips, is what I would no. say. Like, he's a good. <laughs> he had, He's a good he's linebacker a, that I think fits the Big 12 really well. Um, you know, he's very athletic. He's pretty physical for a guy. He's a little bit undersized, I would say, for probably where we're going to play him. But I yeah. think he kind of makes up for it in athleticism and physicality. I think he is Dom Alexander size, maybe slightly bigger, but yeah. he's definitely
2: not large. And no. but like you said, Alex he's a he's a great fit for the Big 12. He's really fast. The thing that confuses me with him and Brian Asamoa is to me they are both will linebackers when I look at them, neither of them are true Mike linebackers, so I just don't i'm going to, i'm really curious to see where they fit in the defense because sticking to Sean White or Ryan Asamoa where Kenneth Murray played all this past year at six two two forty and even then he was you know he was a little bit he was he was still he was a true freshman he was he wasn't quite ready yet. Yeah. So I'm just really curious where they're gonna stick those two guys because to me, at least off the cuff, just watching their highlights, looking at their kind of the way they're built, neither of them really strike me as that middle linebacker presence.
1: Yeah. No, they both to me they're both they're both four three outside linebackers to me. Yeah. You know, like if we were running a four three, if we were looking like uh you know, running a TCU type defense, I would be like, Yeah, these guys are perfect fits for what we need. You know, and these guys would do really well at TCU. Brian um, <laughs> <not> S.O. <sure what laughs> is Travis Lewis 2.0. Yeah. He's so fast. Yeah. He is, man. I, I'm not sure what they're going to do at OU. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we make some tweaks to the defense to fit, you know, because I think that's been pretty consistent. You know, we, we're not sure how the guys we've signed that we really like as players fit into this weird defense that we run. Yeah.
0: It's just so. Because weird, like size on that line in that linebacking core has been so weird for so long. Like guys like Emmanuel Beal, where it's like he'd be undersized anywhere. So where is where does he go? Like right. this is. I just feel like we're gonna see a lot more of that sort of feeling of like, well, I don't understand why this player is playing where they are playing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's going to
1: be common <sighs> forward. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I really hope that's not the case, but I it wouldn't surprise me at all, given who you know what what has been going on with this defense. Uh, so let's let's compare that, throw that back to the 2017 class. Um, everybody knows Kenneth Murray. You know, I think he exceeded all of our expectations. I know he ended the season really poorly, um, but if you had told me on signing day last season that he was going to start every game at middle linebacker for us. I would have said you're insane. So you have to remember that he's never played middle linebacker
2: till, you know, the summer last year, late spring yeah.
1: camp. So yeah, they switched him
2: at he the was end a of safety spring. in high school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was either at, like, he played a little bit of like edge linebacker and then they switched him to yeah. safety as senior year. He and wanted to be the, Vaughn Miller and he ended up being Ray Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. that, you know, <laughs> yeah, not even playing the same position. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, he, I, I like what I saw from him this year as a true freshman. Absolutely. There were yeah. there were low points for him, but you know, I think about how good he looked at times against Ohio State. Exactly. Um yeah. there were there were plays against I think about even Oklahoma State where he would you know, I think of one play specifically we're down on the goal line. I think it was maybe the play before we forced the fumble with Mason Rudolph. And like he just makes like a huge yard saving tackle on, on Justice, Justice. Hill. Hill. Yeah. yeah, like yep. he him like he read the play perfectly and he was athletic enough to chase down Justice Hill for like a one yard gain or something instead of giving up the forty yard gain that, you know, then they're off and running on a great drive. And then I we think obviously that's, go ahead. Yeah. I was just
2: gonna say I think that's the thing that really jumps out and like flashes with Kenneth Murray is closing speed. Absolutely it's just yeah. something that we haven't had in a while. I remember that, like you, you mentioned Ohio State, there's the one um, play where he basically forced JT Barrett to throw the ball early, um, get it out of his hand
3: because um, he shot through down. the
2: gap. I think, yeah, yeah, I don't quite remember the situation, but I just remember thinking, man, that's the fastest. I remember us uh, was having yeah. have an inside linebacker in
1: quite some time. Yeah, no, yeah. he is a he's a high level athlete for sure. And he's got incre he's got great size for the position, you know. Um he's just a guy that's gonna have to start trusting his eyes a little bit more. Yeah. Um because like, you know, the Georgia game was a disaster. There's no other way to put it. Like he mm-hmm. he was a huge, too much. Yeah, there was a he was a humongous reason why the you know Sony Michelle had a career day against us. Um in addition to Kenneth Murray, we had Levi Draper, um, who there's been some interesting things coming out about him in terms of his size this spring, like there's been rumors that he's up to like two thirty five two forty and he's running like below four six you know, so um that's another guy like you know if he's really doing that kind of thing like that's a high level athlete that's gonna do really well in this conference,
0: yeah, provided he has working labor rooms
2: yeah yeah that's that's the thing hope you just have to hope he's healthy from. The same thing that took out um, Kennedy Brooks torn labrum. Yep, yep. Yeah.
0: Which we actually kind of had some interesting news about torn labrums. Do we want to talk about that at all on this podcast? Yeah.
1: So I've got medical breaking news. Yeah, I've got a friend who he was in a situation. I forget where he was. He might have been at like a church or something. And I think he was talking to Caleb Kelly about the season or something. And Caleb Kelly told him that he like partially tore his labrum. At the beginning of the season, like week three, um, and played through it for the rest of the year, and you know that could be probably the best explanation to date as to why his season kind of went how it went. You know, because if you think back to like week three, you know that stretch of the season was probably his worst stretch of the season. You know, you got the Tulane game, I think. Yeah, that's Tulane. Then you've got Baylor. Pretty soon after that, in yeah. yeah. Iowa State. Like that was probably some of his worst games of the season. And then as the season progressed by the end of the season, he was making some plays. Yeah. Um, So that makes that interception he had against tech more impressive than if he was doing that with the torn labrum.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He elevated that catch. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So, you know, maybe we're, we're in for a, the, the Caleb Kelly season that we thought we were going to have this year might be coming next year. If he can stay healthy. Um, but, yeah, last linebacker from this class, um, Jakir Daly. We talked about him a little bit earlier. He's kind of a guy that I think he's playing Sam right now behind Caleb Kelly. I'm not entirely sure about this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, that's the thought. Um, he's kind of that Devontae Bond role a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, he's a guy that he was – he he played the edge. Like he was a an edge player in high school, like pretty much a defensive end in high school. Um and he's come to OU and I think he's you know, I was talking he's about six two, two hundred and forty, two hundred and forty five pounds. So he's another guy like we did a really good job of getting guys that with yeah. adequate size in the twenty seventeen class. Him and Nick say. Benito
2: are very similar to me. So it makes me think that they want that
1: damn linebacker to have some pass rush ability. Yeah, I think that and I think that's really smart. Like you know, in this conference especially like you yeah to be able to get multiple pass rushers on the field that can also do things in space um when you need them to like i think that's really smart a really smart way to go about it um but if we're comparing
2: the classes um, oh wait are we are we holding are we putting ryan jones into that group as well is he a linebacker now or are we how are we classifying ryan
1: jones yeah i think we probably should probably should put him in the linebackers i think that's that seems to be what he's playing now. So we'll, we'll throw him in with the linebackers. Um, and to me, he is, if you go back to like Keenan Clayton, like he is that yeah, kind of guy. That is who I see when I see Ryan Jones. Yeah, he's a player that, he's a pretty big kid. Like, you know, he came into OU last year as kind of a, they took him as a safety and he was listed as like a 6'2", 201. So he's got some length to him. Um so I don't, and apparently he's just gotten huge at OU. He's apparently yeah. up to like 230 pounds and playing that Sam position. He's going to be a different kind of Sam than these other Sams we've talked about, though, mm-hmm. um, because he's really more of like a guy that can, you know, do a little bit more in coverage. I would yeah. say um, because he's just he's a he's a higher level athlete than those guys. You know, he's not the he's not the pass rusher that those guys are though. Um, I, I'm interested be... to see like if we were playing. Again, if we were playing a four-three, I think he would be a perfect fit as that s- strong side linebacker because he's, guy he's a guy that he's, he's the ahead. Brent Venables special of. Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Venable's would recruit that guy every class to play that, that kind that. of tweener safety linebacker mm-hmm. uh, position, and we don't we don't really have those anymore. But that's what Ryan Jones is. So where does he fit? Because there's a lot of buzz on him. Um, Surprisingly enough, kind of considering he came in as a wide receiver, like Alex said, he played safety, and now he's kind of spun down to linebacker. So, kind of where does he? How does he force his way? I think he onto the field because I think at the minimum we'll be seeing him on special teams. But yeah, you know, I mean we're we're in dire need of people that can play at linebacker. So
1: yeah, it'll be really well- interesting. And I would really like to see him make a make a dent on the on the defensive depth chart because he's a guy that would be on defense that actually has some ball skills too. Like, yeah. You know, because he was a re- he was a four star wide receiver. Like he was a high level wide receiver. Like if he had come to OU and we had taken him as a receiver, I would have been excited about it. Um, and so I I think you know hopefully he finds a way to get on the field in a proper way. Like we don't play him out of position, but. Um, it would be nice to find a role for Ryan Jones to get that kind of playmaking and that ball—those sk- ball skills on the field. Um, so I think I don't. To me, it seems kind of like I think 2017 is the better linebacker class. Yeah, um, I just think it's a little bit more complete. It could have been way better, but we don't really need to talk about it because um, I'll get infuriated. Yes, but, you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a whole another two-hour podcast. It is. It is. We will, this will turn into a five-hour podcast if we go into that. Um, yeah, I'm going to lean towards 2017, partially because of the production we've seen from Kenneth Murray, but then, you know, I think I like the potential of Levi Draper and Ryan Jones quite a bit. Okay. Defensive backs, right?
0: Well, yeah. uh, what, what, what do you guys Ooh. think? I mean, I agree I mean, with you. You agree? Oh yes, yeah. I, so I, I
2: I think we're i um, in total agreement. 2017 is where I would put my
0: yeah, uh, it's, pick as well. It's just more okay. complete. It could have been incredible. Um, and yeah. like you said, we don't have to get into that. Um, and <laughs> by comparison, 2018, like I think Deshaun White, Brian Esmo, I think all three of these guys are good gets, but it's not. It's not as complete, and there's just not as much to be ex- ex- excited about. And it also was put together very strangely. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely.
2: The, the heartburn uh, that kind of got us there has me a little bit,
1: um, I don't look at them as fondly.
3: <laughs> if,
1: uh, yeah, absolutely. Way. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. And I can't wait to see what 2019 has in store in that. a whole nother year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move to defensive back. And um, obviously the headliner of this defensive back class is going to be Buki. Mm-hmm. Um Brendan Radley Hiles, also an IMG product. And he's kind of the guy that we were talking about earlier that TJ Pledger got for us. You know, if we didn't have TJ Pledger, I don't think we're landing Brendan Radley Hiles in this class. Yeah. So shout I think out that's to a TJ. safe assumption. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's the first five star defensive back that OU has pulled in the Rivals era. So I mean that in itself is a pretty the big stat. Is that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yo, know, and he, he takes the uh, the grand total of five of rivals five stars on this team to two. He joins <laughs> Caleb Kelly as the uh, the only five is the other five star. Um, but yeah, that'd be a great guy, piece of trivia for
2: national media to say how if you asked what side of the ball were the two five
1: stars on. At yeah. Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I get, yeah, all of them would miss it for sure. Um, but Brandon Riley Hiles, we talked about him after the first signing day. no we didn't, because we didn't have him yet, did we? Army commit. Yeah, he was an army commit. Yeah. Um this guy's awesome. Like <laughs> you know, he he also committed during his like Texas Tech official visit. He was one of the eyeballs. Um and like just just throw throw on his tape. It's fun.
0: No, that's yeah. just
1: the best way to put. It. Like, right. he, it's a fun tape to watch.
0: <laughs> I think he will start. Like, I think he's going to walk into a starting position.
2: Yeah, I think oh, that. So I... Game one, huh? So when uh, it, uh, the FAU game, you think Brendan Riley House is going to be trotting out with Parnell or somebody else?
0: I mean, I have an undying love for Trey Brown. Um, oh. But...
2: Okay.
3: <laughs>
0: who was apparently yeah. John Ross fast, but yeah, we fast. can talk about that. Um, but yeah, so don't. Buki is incredible. Um, yeah. You should yeah. literally watch his tape. He yeah. just he plays defensive back not like other defensive backs. At the school, he actually out. turns his head
1: when the
2: balls get Yeah, stacked.
0: exactly. It's crazy. Like yeah. he does this incredible thing where a ball is thrown to the receiver he is covering, and he turns, looks at it, and then swats it away.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, he he showed me more in the the Army All American game than I've seen from like any of our other corners. So I'm I'm not sure he's going to start game one, but I if by the third or fourth game, I think Buki is a starting corner for this team. Yeah, it, and. It, Go ahead. Trey, I was going to say a Trey
2: Norwood or Jordan Parker or whoever Trey Brown, whoever it is that starts, or even Parnell, whoever it is that gets thrown out there game one. If they don't quickly, you know, play up to their potential and kind of hold their spot, Buki's right there waiting in the wings. That's something that Death really helps with is kind of yeah. have guys nipping at their heels. You know,
1: yeah. your you're, your spot's not guaranteed. Yeah, no, we're not. Yeah, we're not going to be replacing a corner next year with a three-star true freshman that was probably not ready to play. Yeah. 165 you know, like, pounds against Georgia. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, we're not throwing Trey Norwood out there as a true freshman next year. Um, and one thing I think interesting about Buki as well is that he has some positional versatility. Um, I think he could probably play any of the five uh, defensive back positions and be just fine. You know, because he's a he's a playmaker. You know, yeah. he's going to make the plays. Yeah,
2: Honey Badger gets thrown around a lot with him. I know that's yeah. lofty um, praise, but, you know, if you watch him play, you can kind of see some of those characteristics. Another thing that you kind of see with him is guys kind of gravitate towards him. I know Kerry Cooks said he could be the Baker Mayfield of the defense, and, again, that's huge praise. But, I mean, that's a thing that is sorely needed on that side of the ball. So,
1: Oh yeah. You have to think they'd welcome it. Yeah. And that, that's something we can talk about at the end. Like there's some pretty good leadership candidates from this class on defense as well. Um, other than Buki. Um, but let's go, let's move on, you know, other corners we have, um, I'm going to throw Miguel Edwards in at corner, even though there's also some question where he will start. I know Kerry cooks mentioned he might start at safety. Um, so I'm not entirely sure. And I'm, but I think his natural position is corner. But I'm talking about Miguel Edwards. Did I say that already?
2: Yes. Yeah, you did. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Miguel Edwards is a four-star from Florida, and like this guy's recruitment was kind of weird to me because he kind of just came out of nowhere and said we were his leader, and then a couple weeks later he visited and committed. So. And then uh, you never heard again from him the whole rest of the year. Yeah. Was no. Silent. He didn't waver once like we were it was just kind of one of those deals where you just didn't hear. But you kind of got nervous because you weren't hearing anything, you know. And but it turns out like he never once wavered his commitment, um, which is kind of unusual for a guy from Florida, you know. Yeah. uh, He's from Deerfield Beach. So, yeah,
2: we have I mean, it's a fairly highly recruited program. I know we were looking at a linebacker that ended up going to South Carolina. From the same school, you know. There's a lot of got. There's a lot of coaches that go through there, but somehow he's stuck. And you know, I th- what I, th- the player that I see when I look at Miguel Edwards, and he kind of is built similarly to At least right now, he's six foot, 165 pounds, so he's pretty slender. But I, I see Aaron Colvin, man. Whenever I look at Miguel Edwards, he kind of has that tweener. You know, he could play corner or safety. And Aaron Colvin started at corner, then played safety, then switched back the to corner at OU and. Mm -hmm. I see some similarities there and he's he's there's not much film on him or if you want to call it film there's not much much highlight tape that's really out there but what little there is he's usually right right around the ball and that's kind of the comparison that I have for Miguel Edwards he's just kind of a man of mystery you don't really know what's up with him so it'll be really interesting to see kind of what comes out this spring of where he's playing and you know kind of how he's progressing yeah I I think
1: that's Absolutely true. Because, you know, he, I, I kind of like the idea of him playing safety. I know he's small, but I think in this conference, you kind of need guys that can play corner at safety as well. You know, because they're going to be put in a lot of positions in one-on-one coverage. And you know, this, and, and with, you, I think ahead. the
2: safety size comment comes into play, but I don't. I also don't think you the days of two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pound safeties are pretty they're yeah. it's no longer something that's essential because yeah i mean if you th- if you think about some of the better safeties that have come through um in the recent years they're not all in the conference they're not all that size i mean even no. whenever aaron colvin was playing it he was he was 200 pounds 195 pounds i i think miguel i think he's definitely is probably a redshirt candidate or yeah. he wouldn't it was, he'd have to have a kenneth murray sort of weight gain to be able to play next year uh-huh. Um unless safety is just in dire straits, which is quite possible uh, but quite possible. um <laughs> but um I think in two in a year or in two years he could be six foot hundred and ninety pounds and would be just fine at safety yeah i think
1: yeah i agree um yeah, and i'm I'm really high on that possibility. I think he's a guy that could could make a lot of plays as like kind of a center fielder type as because we just don 't have a lot of guys with that skill set at safety any either anyways so um, moving on to Starlin Baldwin at corner, um, this guy was, I think, our first corner commit um, and a guy from Texas, and he actually missed his entire senior year. Um, and I think we were, if I remember correctly, I think we were his first, like, major offer, like Power 5 and maybe even his first FBS offer. Like, we were mm. super early on this guy. Yeah.
0: Big Starlin yeah. fans. That's uh
1: Yeah great name
0: yeah yeah he, uh, he he it's tore a his name.
2: acl So this is a guy that i'd be surprised if he plays next yeah. year mm-hmm. um he's probably a redshirt guy for twofold reasons really because he tore his acl and he's also really thin um mm. but he's a guy that kind of he could be sort of the he's kind of I, I hate i don't really like the word but for lack of a better word scrappy he kind of he he's really competitive and i'm um, pretty another odd word twitchy he was recruiting buzzwords that people like to throw around yeah um he's almost to me he could be maybe a little bit higher caliber of an athlete as zach sanchez i don't know if he's as good of a cover man he might be Mm -hmm. i don't know but that, that could be someone maybe that would be a decent comparison
1: for him yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, he might guy that might struggle with with open field tackling, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, if he's able to make plays on the ball, you kind of put up with that a little bit. Yeah, yeah hopefully he doesn't uh, bite on the double move quite as often. <laughs> yes, please, yeah. please, Starlin, don't do that. Um, so let's move over to safety because I think overall, if I were to look at a position in this 2018 class that I'm disappointed in, it would have to be safety. Josh Proctor broke our hearts. Yeah, we needed Josh Proctor. Josh Proctor would have, like, I feel, um, like, I personally think, you know, I like this 2018 class a little bit more than 2017, but if we had Josh Proctor to add on top of it, I don't think it'd be close. You know, I think, you know, Josh Proctor is, was that caliber of player. Um, Maybe, maybe the best safety in the country for what we needed in our defense. Um, but so the the guys that we wound up with, we wound up with another Union product, um, in Pat, <laughs> Patrick Fields. Um, you know, for for those of you who don't know, Nathan is from Union, and I so obviously, Union. you know he uh, he has a soft spot for all the Union guys. Um, but Patrick Fields was he was maybe one of the more important guys in this class. You know, I don't he's a three star recruit from you know from Union, but. He was kind of the ringleader for this class. You know, he kind of, we, we kind of went through a tough stretch early in the process where we kind of lost out on a lot of guys that we were thinking we were going to get. And he was always like the constant guy that was, you know, he, he was willing to talk crap on Twitter to, to Texas recruits and stuff. And he was just one of the more vocal guys in this class. And, like, you you need guys, you need a guy like that in every class. You know, the 2017 class, I don't think there's any question Justin Boyles played that role. Um, But Pat Fields was absolutely that player. And he's a good player, too. Like, he's, I know um, there's been a lot of rumors that he could play nickel. And while I think that is probably a natural position for him, I don't, I think he's going to have to play one of the safety spots at least this year just because we don't have enough guys back there. Mm yeah i think nickel is his most like
2: you said natural position to me he's will johnson i know there might be some people that kind of recoil when i say that but will johnson was also a pretty good nickelback when he was healthy um so i think that's how i've always seen pat patrick is um a very very smart player whenever i watch him and the other thing that might surprise people about patrick fields is he is willing to hit people he'll go up and hit guys pretty hard um And along with the other safety that we'll talk about here in a minute, that's something that you don't see very often from OU uh, safeties in the past five years. So um, that'll be really interesting to see if he continues doing that. But at the least, I think he's someone that can get guys lined up um, and that he'll, he's just a very smart guy. And if he ends up playing safety, I guess he could play free. I think he's more of a strong safety, more natural in the box, but Mm -hmm. At the same yeah. time, all of our safeties you probably could say that for. So somebody has to pray free, play free. Yeah. So
1: maybe that'll be Pat. Yeah, I think Pat's probably the free safety of this group. Um, so the other safety we have is Delarian Turner Yell. Um, he's a Hempstead Texas product. He's a three-star recruit as well. And we got, we took him from Baylor. He was committed to Baylor for a long time. And he came down for that barbecue that we had this summer. And it just seem like he fell in love with us, you know. And, um, you know, he flipped a few, like, a couple weeks later, I think. Um, and this guy, in addition to Buki, maybe the most fun film you're going to watch. You know, like, he just flies everywhere. Small, undersized, listed at, like, 5'10", 160 pounds. And he might be up to around 170, 175 at this point. But, you know, he's an undersized player. Um, but... He's-
2: He's he, the Brandon Everidge, Carl Joseph, doesn't care what happens to his body kind of guy. He's, yeah.
1: No. Like, yeah, there he has no regard. He is flying around, you know, doing things with his body that he probably shouldn't do. But, you know, it's it's fun to watch. And we haven't had a guy like that in a while. You know, I mean, Brandon Everidge is, you know, that's what, 15 years 15 ago. Years almost ago. At the, Yeah, at this point, it's 15 years ago. Um, and, you know, so having a guy like that is at the very least like, you know, he's probably going to be a really good player, but at the very least he's going to be an entertaining player to watch, you know? Yeah. He's probably going to get a targeting call at some point. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but he's, you know, we don't, yeah, that's just kind of almost a given, but I think he's definitely the strong safety of the group. Um, but yeah. I'm not quite sure just because of where the classification he plays in and Kind of what he's asked to do in high school. How I don't know how good of
1: a coverage guy he is, but he'll yeah. definitely come up and hit you. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, but I, I think he's definitely the kind of athlete that can develop into a pretty good coverage player. Like I don't think he's going to struggle um, after a couple of years if they develop no. him well and he commits to it. I don't think he's a guy that's going to be physically limited as a coverage guy. Um, so with all that said, let's go back to twenty seventeen. Um, and you know, this, this group was interesting because, you know, it was in state guys and, uh, Robert Barnes for the longest time Then we kind of threw in Trey Norwood at the end. And I think most people thought Trey Norwood was just kind of a body that we took, you know, just to fill some numbers and he wound up playing more than any of these guys as a true freshman. So, um, we might've lucked into something there. Um, but yeah, like Trey Brown, we talked about him earlier. Crazy fast, and honestly, as a true freshman, I thought he looked like the best player out of this out of this bunch of players. Uh-huh.
2: To me, he looked like he. The thing that I always saw with Trey is he was just raw. He was a little inconsistent in high school, um, but whenever I saw him at OU, there was a couple things that struck me. And first off, it was that he would hit people. It was that he would strike people. Yeah. Um, I don't mm-hmm. remember him doing that as much in high school. Maybe I just forgot. But that was something that he'd blow up some screens, and that's encouraging for the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I will never forget him running down Kevontae Turpin. Yeah, that doesn't uh, happen in that TCU (laughs) game. Yeah, on on a bum ankle. Like he wasn't even 100% for that game. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think he's He's a guy that is going to be, you know, a lot of talent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And And we just haven't had that kind of speed in the secondary in a long time.
0: Yeah. He showed a lot of fight, um, too, just in terms of even when he would, if he couldn't make a play on the ball in the air, like, he would he would put a lot of effort into making it a difficult landing for the guy. Yeah. yeah.
2: There, I yeah. think there was a Jalen Austin catch for TCU that was on Trey Brown, and I think even though he completed the catch, I was surprised, like, I was impressed just how much he was fighting him all the way down to the ground. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that's something that we don't see a whole lot um, recently either, so... Yeah, I mean, it's also encouraging because he's only, only going to get stronger.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, Robert Barnes didn't look amazing as a freshman. He was coming off a broken leg injury. Yeah. I think he's I think he's going to have a really good season after, you know, getting further and further away from that injury. Um, you know, I'm and from a, from a size perspective he's huge. Like he's you know, he's about six yeah. 205 pounds, I think, at this point. Um, and he's just a really, really big safety prospect that, you know, he did some good things. I know early in the season, like he came in against Ohio State, and I was just impressed by how athletic he looked on the field and he kind of ran down some guys. And, um, until he tried to tackle J.K. Dobbins in the hole. Yeah,
2: Fell apart a little bit, but yeah. other than that, yeah, he, he had some moments.
1: Yeah, and I think he's getting kind of a – there was a play against TCU where he just looked clueless in space. And I yeah. think people are kind of holding that against him a little too harshly. Um, I think yeah, – Is Abdul-Adams isn't fast story of this past season? I think that's I, a I, possibility. I think that might be it. Yeah, I think um, – and I, I hope that's it. I hope he proves everybody wrong next year. We're going to need him because yeah. – yeah, like we we mentioned earlier, safety is is going to be kind of dicey next yeah. season. It's thin wow. and he's also like
0: there's nobody else in the, in there with yeah. that size.
1: No, abs- no, absolutely not.
2: Congrats um, Robert cuz you're almost
1: by default the free safety next year. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and Justin Broyles is the last guy and like I said he was the ringleader of the class. You know, he's just the most vocal player. Um apparently just like hugely likable guy. Like everybody just loves him. Um, and I, it would be really good to see him get on the field just as like, I think he would be a, a player that would provide, you know, vocal leadership on the field, you know, and like kind of like what you were talking about with Patrick Fields. I think Justin Broyles has that same kind of quality and he's a, like, he's a confident guy, like, and that's something that you need on, on defense, especially, in this defense where you're going to get torched sometimes, like uh-huh. you got to have some confidence to be able to um, to bounce back from that.
2: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where he uh, where he plays next year because we have kind of the log jam at corner. Does he play nickel? Does he play safety
1: in the yeah. spring?
2: Just yeah. kind of where he
1: uh, ends up. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm going to go out. I, I think Justin Broyles is starting nickel next year. I think, I think that how makes how really a ton of sense. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't like you talked about Patrick Fields being Will Johnson, and I kind of think of Justin Broyles as a more athletic Will Johnson. Um, he's a guy, and he's not an amazing athlete. Like, he's not Trey Brown from an athletic standpoint, but he is a better athlete than Will Johnson. And I think he's a guy that could really flourish in that Nickelback role, much like Will yeah. Johnson did, but maybe at a higher level. I can see that. Um, so. When it comes down to it, um, who do we have? Do we have the 2018 defensive back class or the 2017? Um,
0: I I kind of think that the 2018 defensive back class, just because of Buki, like,
2: mm-hmm. is... yeah, it's close. Um, Ryan, I think I'd side with you there as well. I like, I think the best player of either class is Brendan Riley Hiles or Buki, so. Uh, I'm probably going to have to go with that just for that fact alone. Okay.
1: Well, I'm going to go on the opposite. I'm going to go 2017 just because I'm a little bit higher on Robert Barnes um, than most people. I think he's going to be a guy that really kind of – you know, I I just like what he can bring from a size and athleticism standpoint. And then I think out of Trey Brown, Trey Norwood, and Justin Broyles, I think we're going to have – if not one starter, maybe two starters out of those three um, next year. Because, I, like I said, I think Justin Boyle starts at nickel, and I think Trey Brown's got a really good shot at, at corner. Um, so that might consist of three starters in the 2018 team. So I'm going to go with 2017. I do agree that Buki is the best player, but I think, um, I think I like two, three, and four better from the 2017 class than I do in the in the 2018 class. That's fair. Yeah. Hard to, hard to argue if that turns out to be the case yeah um so that pretty much does it like so from an overall standpoint um which class would you take 2018 or
0: 2017 mm. ooh that's jeez um <laughs> I really like all of the line talent that 2018 brings on both sides mm-hmm. um so I, I I think I'm gonna say twenty eighteen because of that, and also TJ Pleasure and Pledger and Buki. Um mm-hmm. I so I think I'm gonna say twenty eighteen. But man, twenty seventeen guys were incredible. Yeah. I think Ryan and I are have been in
2: step most pretty much the whole discussion. Front seven is such a priority and I think and Lincoln's just been kinda of harping on that, which is heartening to see or hear really because He's repeatedly said that in his opinion, you know, defensive line is the most important position group outside of quarterback. And I think that is vital in kind of separating yourselves from the, to be the truly elite upper echelon teams, the Ohio States and the Alabamas. And I know we beat Ohio State, but to be able to consistently do that, mm-hmm. just see, to see what Clemson five years ago with Taj Boyd, and they were a good team that was challenging Ohio State in the orange Bowl and also getting wrecked by West Virginia, but we won't talk about that Um, (laughs) to where they are now with, you know, three probable first round draft picks and also a second round draft pick on their defensive line next year. Yeah. You know, that's the difference between winning national titles and competing to get in the title game. You know what I mean? So yeah, Yeah. if we, I, I would also take the 2018 class just because I think the lines on both sides are more developed and more um, mm-hmm. of that upper tier than what the 2017
1: class was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go 2018 as well, just because we, we address the premium positions better. Like that. We got the offensive tackles that you need to compete at a high level. And then, like you said, the defensive line is just so much better in 2018 from a, from a talent standpoint on paper, we don't obviously know what they're going to do at OU, but it looks like they're going to be more productive at OU than the, the 2017 class. Um, so just that difference, like it wouldn't even matter honestly, like about the other positions I would probably take 2018 just because it's been so long since we've had a great defensive line class like we have this year. Uh, so seeing us how over two hours now, yeah. Um, do we want? To, if we should probably. We had some other things we were gonna maybe talk about, but maybe we should just leave those out.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were gonna talk briefly about um, some wider um, recruiting trends, like nationally, mostly just about how Georgia was absurd this year.
1: Yeah, they wound up um, with eight five stars according to Rivals.
0: Yeah, which is ridiculous. Kirby
2: Smart, Kirby Smart is a heck of a recruiter. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, it makes things easier when you have four or five stars in your own state, but still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark no, Richt it's... wasn't always landing those guys, so yeah, that's the difference.
0: It's incredible because yeah. there is still a part of me that looks at the Mark Richt firing and it's just like, why did you do that? That was so dumb. That was such a bad decision. Um, but Kirby Smart's doing his best to make me seem like an idiot, so
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Look, no, where Obama are...
2: ended up ranked this year—only yeah. a measly top six class or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. was Kirby, they were top one. So, what does that tell you? Uh,
1: that's well, Nick's washed. And I think I think a lot of <laughs> those done. guys that Georgia wound up getting in terms of the five stars, I think those are, they kind of took them directly from Alabama. So that yeah. probably kind of kept Alabama from having another top five class like they've had pretty much since Nick Saban's been there. Mm-hmm. They did get Pat Sertain though from oh, LSU. Yeah. So at Orgeron. <laughs> Not having his best day. But no, no. That's well. that's going to end in a spectacular fashion. That's going to be amazing yeah. next year. You,
2: you have to think that Dave Aranda took that $2 million pay raise instead of going to A&M just because he knows once that Ed on ship goes down in a ball of fire, he will be the person that assumes control. It has to be in the back of
1: his mind, right? I think that's exactly why he took that job. Um, otherwise... Who would you rather attach yourself, Edo or Jimbo? Like I would probably attach myself to Jimbo yeah, um, right. unless I knew I had an inside track at getting that LSU job. Uh, so do we want to just call it? Cause I no, we think, should I think probably ta- call it. I think we've talked long enough about, about this class. Um, we really like the 2018 class. It's great to stack two top ten classes on top of each other.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. What you got to do? I, We're in the blue chip ratio yeah. now yeah we absolutely yeah yeah we wound up with 16 four and five stars and only six three stars in this class so yeah we haven't had that kind of ratio in forever so um and i think 2019 is going to be better than both of them from yeah. the way things look right now i think you know, definitely has a yeah we're mm. looking at a possible top five class for 2019 so you know hopefully unless tim kish screws everything up he will so. It is Definitely. funny whenever
2: you look at the early prognosis of, like, the guys that are leaning towards OU, the uh-huh. weakest position group, the linebackers. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's a couple good-looking, like, three-star guys that are looking our way. But, yeah, it's nothing. Every, compared. Yeah. Everywhere Every, else, we've got, like, four and five stars looking at it. Just
2: compare what wide receiver looks like to what oh, <laughs> the linebacker
1: like. looks like. Yeah. And it writes the whole story. Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. All right, well, Ryan, you want to wrap this thing up?
0: Sure, sure thing. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Oklahoma Drill with us this wonderful, wonderful signing day week. Uh, Obviously, thanks to Nathan for coming on. We've been trying to get him on for like three years now um, and finally just bothered to go ahead and learn about technology so it could happen. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) No problem, but we should should do this again sometime. Um, You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, um, on the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, feel free to leave us a review. Um, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Oklahoma underscore drill. Follow us individually at RW Maxi and at Alex P. Purdy. Nathan, I think your Twitter is protected. Um, it is. So
2: So you could try and follow me, but I'd have to accept, and that probably won't happen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think – that's gonna about cover it um, this is a solid two hours of podcast for you to digest at your leisure um, so I think we're I think we're done all right